0: Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am who I've always been from the moment I was born.
0: (laughs) Um, This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week we're reviewing episode 79, Memories of the Future. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned.
1: Really quick. It's season four, episode twenty, so four twenty blazing. This was a blazing hot episode.
0: It was. I at first I was scared to talk about this episode because this is a lot to explain, and I hope we're gonna get it right. I think we're gonna get the majority of it right. We get con- as
1: much of it right as we can.
0: I feel confident about our interpretation of what's happening here. Um, But shout out to our our friend podcasts who are also uh, trying to explain what happened in this episode. It's a very daunting task. Um, We mentioned this in our our Discord server and uh, JD from Anime Brothers and I believe Jeff from Otaku Otaku Host Club were like, yeah, this is going to be really difficult to explain. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think each of our podcasts are going to need like a corkboard ready and just plot out what the fuck happened in this episode kind of like what charlie did with the pepe silvia conspiracy (laughs) and always sunny because yeah like i thought the previous episode was a lot but this one it's like a whole lot more.
0: Oh, yeah. So we'll get into all of that. Um, we do have some, some things to bring up um, beforehand, specifically around our previous review episode for Episode 78, Two Brothers. Um, but first, thank you again to everyone who's been rating us on Spotify. We saw a few more ratings come through after the last Attack on Titan episode. We seriously appreciate it. Um, we've mentioned this a couple times now, but for those listening to us on Spotify, you can go on the uh, mobile apps. And then go to our podcast page, and then you'll see a little star so that you can leave us a 1 through 5 rating. Hopefully a 5. Hopefully you've been enjoying these uh, Attack on Titan discussions. But any ratings that you can provide really helps us out. And then, as we mentioned before on the previous episode, we have recently launched our Discord server for the Strictly series. Um, It's been great. Thank you to everyone who's uh, joined over the last week or so. Um, We've been having some really interesting conversations about Attack on Titan, about other anime. About um, that
1: one channel.
0: (laughs) About that one (laughs) channel that's on our server. Um, So if you're interested in joining the conversation... The link to our Discord server is in the show notes or the description, depending on what podcast platform you're listening on. Um, so you can you can join us there and, and join in on uh, the, the theorizing that's happening right now around what the hell is happening in Attack on Titan and what's going to happen next.
1: Although I have to say, I think some of uh, the Discord members are manga readers, um, but I, I want to just applaud them for just holding their tongue, <laughs> knowing that Courtney and I are only anime, uh, anime watchers. Um, so yeah, just have to show my our, our appreciation that you're you're keeping it real by not spoiling anything.
0: Yes, thank you everyone who's been treading lightly. Um, it's It's been really helpful so that we can keep the, the surprises coming and not be spoiled by anything. Um, we also had a couple of folks reach out to us, a couple of listeners reach out to us. So we want to give uh, major credit to them and, and read off some of the things that they shared with us. So we got an email from Oscar H., Um, And I'll read this out verbatim. This is regarding your last episode, AOT2 Brothers. You guys talked about how Gabby shot Aaron. And since you guys are always bringing up foreshadowing, I wanted to bring it to your attention that Gabby actually said in the first part of season four, after aaron transformed and killed her friends um she said i will kill you aaron yeager and then he uh he linked the clip to us here um he goes on to say i just thought it was nicely foreshadowed even though fuck gabby let's go fuck yes, gabby fuck
1: Gabby." <laughs> and then he ends
0: with uh, keep it up much love from sweden so that's so cool we have a listener in sweden what's up sweden <laughs>
1: yeah thanks so much for the support and yeah it's always funny how attack on titans It goes full circle so many times, especially in this episode. It's gonna go like full loop. Yeah. (laughs) So thank
0: thank you, Oscar, because I actually didn't even put two and two together there. Like she she actually stuck to she stuck to her guns, but um, and and actually technically killed Aaron Yeager like she said she would because she's Gabby (laughs) and fuck Gabby. Oh God, (laughs) I'm still I'm still floored that the first and so far only person. To successfully kill Aaron Yeager in this show is Gabby of all people. But yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting tidbit that I totally overlooked. Next up, we received a message via Twitter from Kevin O'Wilden, um, who mentions um, about... Eren being able to use the Founding Titan power back in Season 3 because he touches Dinah um, when Dinah as a Titan is approaching him and Mikasa in that field. So Mm -hmm. technically he's touching a person with royal blood and that activates the power. He also asks, um, I'm not a manga reader, but does Falco have royal blood? Because his Titan seemed abnormal, which means that he must be abnormal like Dinah was. And that's an interesting thought because... I always thought that Zeke's orders to the Titans were absolute. But here in in the Two Brothers episode, we see we see Falco follow that order and go after Reiner, but the second Galliard starts to approach, he actually stops following that order, turns around and eats Galliard um or eats Porco. So that's it's an interesting thought that maybe Falco has um royal blood, but I f- I feel like he might not. My gut is telling me he doesn't.
1: Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, Falco, his last name is Grice, and the Grice family, they're not of royal blood, I don't think, but I know that one of their uh, older relatives was a member of the Eldian Restorationists, the the movement that tried to reestablish Eldia's supremacy, and I believe he was one of the like, he was caught by the Marlian soldiers and then was forced up on that wall um, near the seashore and then forced to turn into a pure Titan um, to ravage Paradis. So I think that's what Falco's connection is to the entire lore of Attack on Titan. Um, I haven't seen any confirmation that the Grice family has royal blood. I just know, again, it's just a restorationist connection. I feel like Falco probably just went for Porco just because he was the easier person to eat in that moment, instead of having to dig through Reiner's armor in the Armored Titan, um, and, you know, Porco Pig. Porco Pig. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he he tastes delicious.
0: <laughs> but yeah, thanks for, for reaching out to us about that one. That is a, an interesting thought, and I'm excited to see more of what, what falco's fate is i mean the poor kid is gonna wake up and just be shook as fuck about everything that's happened to his poor soul his pure loving gentle soul uh oh, poor falco um but yeah thank you everyone for reaching out to us um we we appreciate it keep it coming we love to continue this this discussion around attack on titan with everyone who uh, tunes in and, and listens to our review series
1: i guess the only other attack on titan related news from this week Actually involves the NFL, or this is more specifically from Bleacher Report, which I think is a a media company that s- reports on sports. Um, they tweeted earlier, or I think they tweeted uh, yesterday. Um,
0: uh, As of this recording. Yeah,
1: after the AFC and NFC championship games for the NFL, which aired Sunday the 30th, January 30th. Um, They tweeted a picture of what looks like a recreation of the first visual for the first half of Attack on Titan the final season, the one where it's Eren in his Attack Titan form looming over Reiner um, as they are amidst the destruction of the Liberio district in Marley, but instead of Eren and Reiner, they... Are replaced with I think these are the quarterbacks for the two teams that will be facing off in the Super Bowl which are the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams and I'm not that familiar with the NFL I don't really follow football um, so I, I don't know these quarterbacks names or these players names but yeah it's it's just interesting that they're kind of riding the attack on Titan hype train going on and I know Bleacher Report has used anime in some of its uh, marketing in the past. I think for the NBA, they had, like, uh, when the NBA was returning or, like, approaching the beginning of one of their seasons, um, they used the Naruto font um, and then kind of stylized the different teams as different anime characters. So, yeah, this was just an interesting tweet. Um, We'll probably share it on the Discord for anyone who wants to see it. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm looking at it right now, and you know what? Props to, I'm guessing, the marketing department. Um, It's kind of like when Arby's did their whole anime thing. I think they still do that from time to time. Um, It's weird to me, just because being an old-school anime fan, I guess, um, it's weird just seeing anime become so mainstream. But it's also exciting at the same time that, like, hey, people know anime's out there, and it's great, and it's Attack on Titan. All right, shall we get into it?
1: Yeah. Are you ready
0: for Halo Reach? <laughs> no, are you ready to talk about attack
1: this? on time travel? Yeah, Jesus
0: Christ. Or is it time travel? That's yeah. one of the questions that we're going to talk about. So, let me just take a second to acknowledge that we are only 4 episodes into the latter half of the season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not starting from scratch because they've got the build up from the previous half of the final season, but damn, we're 4 episodes in and I like the intensity like can it get any more intense can my heart take any more (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah i feel
1: like we've already gotten half a season's worth of content from these first four episodes
0: absolutely
1: and yeah i don't know what's in store for what there's like two-thirds left of this entire season and yeah it's just it's just exciting to see every week where the story goes um especially with where the preview that we see for the next episode um where that's gonna take us uh and I think I kind of spoiled myself and saw the title for episode 81. I
0: definitely did. Because yeah. I, I put together our um, schedule that we share for our patrons. Um, so on our Patreon page, um, one of the the benefits, the perks of um, becoming a patron is that you get to see our show schedule um, for the, the next month um, ahead. So that way, you know, you, you can see what's what's on the docket, what we're going to be talking about here at Strictly Anime and Strictly Jojo. So I have to update the episode titles for attack on titan and i saw the one for 81 holy shit i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> No, i won't either. yeah but it's I, i'm so excited like I, i'm so fucking excited because if it's what i think it is finally like let's go
1: <laughs> yeah so again one when you think this second c se- or second half has reached its peak there's just something else that comes up along the way that reaches even higher heights and it's just crazy
0: crazier than peak perfection but i have to say this episode episode 79 memories
1: of the future of the
0: future i said from the future memories of the future again
1: a poetic title
0: yes to me this episode is like fate at its finest and i don't mean the fate franchise i mean like the actual concept of fate um that everything happens for a reason and it was all fate like these circumstances happening at just the right moment with just the right people allowed all of this to be possible um, that That is just mind-blowing to me. So uh, we are thinking the easiest way to approach this particular review episode, um, because I know we want to talk about the actual events happening in the episode. But we also want to talk about like the broader um, theory of what's going on in Attack on Titan with Eren and with these Titan powers. And um, we thought the, the best way to approach it would be to start off talking about what's theoretically happening... Um, in this episode on the broader Attack on Titan lore, and then go back through the events of episode 79 to provide examples and bring it all into context. And we'll kind of bounce back and forth, I'm sure. Um, so just brace yourselves. We're going in hot with this discussion, but it's necessary. We we figured this is the easiest way to approach this, um, and it is hopefully going to be the, the clearest way. Um, I do want to pose the question towards the end of this discussion, is Aaron good or bad? Has this episode changed our Not theory? Not again. <laughs> I know we ask this question every like fucking <laughs> episode. Like, has this particular episode changed our theory about what Aaron's plan is or what he's trying to achieve? So let's let's ponder that and then we'll we'll come back to that question at the end of the discussion. Cause yeah, the, the end of this episode left things very ambiguous.
1: Can I just say really quick how impressed I am by the scope of this show? Like it it's it's always changed the game I feel with almost every season especially with this season having the darker tone um, but I think at this point in Attack on Titan it's turned from this sort of fantasy F- epic to fantasy meets metaphysics so going more into this sort of scientific realm that still makes sense within the context of the show and I feel like this is something that our our friend Brian from TV Trivia Pod would appreciate because I know that he's a pretty big science whiz. So I'm <laughs> eager to hear what his thoughts are on this episode. If if he happens to listen to this and, and sees our social media posts.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I, I'm like, I'm like mentally preparing to talk through this, but you're absolutely right. Because thinking back on season one and then looking at season four, it's like a completely different show. Like, in a completely different show, even down to, like, the basics of who's animating it, how it looks, what the OP and ED are like. Like, everything about this show has changed, but it's so tightly written that it's completely the same show at the same time. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. it all goes together perfectly in this nice, neat puzzle um, as we learn more and more about the Attack on Titan lore, even if what happened back then and the feel of Attack on Titan is completely different than how we feel now.
1: This is exactly what the Game of Thrones TV adaptation should have been. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the best way I can explain how Attack on Titan feels right now. 100%. Just the the delivery, the payoffs, um, all the plot lines and loose threads coming together. It is such a treat to see. And even with the story kind of changing itself with this episode in particular... It still feels, it still feels like Attack on Titan.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I just, I feel so as cheesy, cheesy as it sounds, I feel so blessed to be an anime fan, like right now, like in this moment, living what's happening as like one of the biggest shows to ever come out of you know the anime industry, um, is is coming to a close, and just. I think reaching further beyond um, any other anime ever has. Um, Like, its Attack on Titan is reaching people who would never have entertained the idea of watching an anime because they appreciate and understand like the importance of the writing in the show um, to the point where they're they're actually willing to give Attack on Titan or not Attack on Titan but anime a try. Like, it's it's creating new anime fans essentially. That's how powerful Mm -hmm. the show is. Um, But let's jump into the synopsis. And then roll right into theories.
1: All right, so let's take our time first with the synopsis for Attack on Titan, the final season, part two, episode 79, Memories of the Future. Zika's Christ takes an animus from Abstergo Industries and chaperones Aaron Yeager Minion through a journey of his entire life to show Aaron that their father was a piece of shit who perfectly encapsulated the typical anime trope of bad parenting. It sure does become apparent as they observe Grisha carefully cradling baby Aaron and taking up an honest living as a doctor. If this were opposite day, maybe, Zeke soon comes to the realization that Grisha had a change of Shinzo Wosasageo after adapting to life within Paradise's walls, and was allowing Aaron to live his life with no regrets after his test run of bad parenting with Zeke. And Daddy Yeager expresses his remorse time and time again for his fallen firstborn. Despite these revelations, however, Zika's Christ reaffirms to Eren Yeager Minion his commitment to execute Operation Eldian Vasectomy with the Founding Titan power whilst simultaneously saving his younger brother in the process. The Yeager brothers arrive at the point in the It's a Wall World theme park ride where Grisha stole the power of the Founding Titan after hearing the wholesomely naive words of a young Eren Yeager who is Eren eager to see life outside the walls. It is revealed in Grisha's conversation with the royal family that the Attack Titan is OP enough to see their future inheritors' memories, and he implores them to get off their asses and save Paradise before they all become honorary Marleyan mincemeat. Frida Rice's anti-war vow programming kicks in, and Grisha is on the verge of attack until his Jiminy Cricket conscience gets the best of him. Eren pulls a Thanos by saying, fine, I'll fucking do it myself, and bullies Daddy Jaeger's mental state into sticking with Isayama's script from seasons 1 through 3 by stealing the Founding Titan power and obliterating all but one member of the Rice family. As Grisha grieves in the aftermath of his dirty deed done dirt cheap, he manages to see a bewildered Zeke's Christ and gives him an apologetic embrace, saying that Eren's been player one all along in this insanely buckwild video game of a story, and somebody needs to unplug his goddamn console before he fucks up the game save. Zeke is subsequently thrust back into the Prince of Persia Sands of Time, where Aaron remains shackled but unbothered. Don't call me a rap enthusiast, but I wonder now which of the two is the one in the true chains.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into what the fuck is happening in this episode from a high What is going level. on? What is going on? Um, okay, we learn, I think the biggest reveal here of this episode is that the Attack Titan can view memories from future inheritors, essentially being able to view the future. Um, now, there's kind of like two sides or two camps of the fandom on, on how this is being interpreted. Some people say what's happening in this episode is time travel, and others say it's not time travel. Um, let's start there. I am in the camp that this is not time travel. That they're in current day, they're just viewing the memories of Grisha's past. Because they're not physically present in any of you know these timelines. It's just like if you were watching a movie of someone's memories, that that's what's happening here. I know like time, the whole time concept is a bit confusing in Paths. But i don't see this as time travel um they're not going anywhere they're just like in the same space essentially just viewing the memories um what what is your take on that
1: here comes the big brain time (laughs) (laughs) this whole thing's gonna be big brain time (laughs) i'm still trying to process my thoughts on this but so my understanding i think is similar to yours where i think what happened in the past is finite and that is something that will not be changed However, with the realm of paths kind of coming into the equation, I think that's where... I think what is difficult is we as human beings, we see time as linear. But I think what is being established in this show now through Isayama's writing is that we kind of have to see time as a sort of constant loop. And that's where... God, I'm like losing my train of thought as I'm putting this together. but um,
0: It's kind of like the chicken and the egg theory. Like right. what came first? Um, the chicken or the egg, what came first here? Aaron influencing Grisha or in like the the past or the past leading him to this point of being able to influence.
1: Okay, I, so this is how I'll explain it. There are two other franchises, like pop culture franchises, that kind of tackle this same metaphysical concept. The first is Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> f- specifically the third film or the third book Prisoner of Azkaban and this involves the Patronus scene in the forest for any Harry Potter fan who knows what I'm talking about. I don't want to spoil that, but or I don't want to spoil what happens in the book or the film, but if you can see where I'm going for or where I'm coming from, I'm sure you will uh, kind of understand how time is working in this show. The less spoilery franchise that I will look at is Family Guy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and it's it's a it's one of the Brian and Stewie team up episodes where they kind of time travel and go through the multiverse. Um, this one is it's called The Big Bang Theory from season nine, episode sixteen. And I showed Courtney this clip earlier, where it's Stewie, and he goes back in time to visit Leonardo da Vinci or something, and it's, some stuff happens and he inadvertently creates the universe in his schemes when he travels back in time even though he already existed when the universe was already created so what happens here i think in science it's called a temporal causality loop where a sequence of events is among the causes of another event, which is in turn among the causes of the first mentioned event. So here is where that loop kind of comes in. Again, what happened in the past is still finite, but it's still affected by something that happened after it. And it sounds like a paradox, but that's only if you're viewing things in a or you viewing time in a linear sequence. Where here I think with paths and what Aaron is able to achieve with both the Attack Titan and the Founding Titan power, he can kind of transcend time and space as we, as humans, or I guess in this world as as Eldians, conceive it.
0: Yeah, so like the, it really is like the chicken and the egg theory. And we'll drop that link um, in the Discord server for that clip from uh, Family Guy, because um, it, it is kind of helpful, as, as weird as it sounds. Um, but like that's that's kind of why I'm like, I don't think they're actually time traveling. Like they're not going anywhere. Like yeah, they're like in paths and like they bonk heads and mm-hmm. they're like in a new space. But really they're not going anywhere. They're just viewing something that happened where Aaron happens to be able to influence it because of the founding Titan power. Now that brings up the second thing of, of, of this whole situation where people are kind of perceiving it in different ways some say that the Attack Titan could always see into the future, that it was an innate ability of the Attack Titan. Others say it's not inherent to the Attack Titan and it's only possible via the Founding Titan. I am also of the latter camp where I feel like it was never like an innate ability and innate power of the attack titan it just so happens that an attack titan wielder used the power of the founding titan to then influence the rest of the attack titans in you know down the line is that also your understanding or is your understanding different
1: god i feel like we we need an actual metaphysicist to (laughs) to include in this discussion if any of our listeners
0: (laughs) happen to be a metaphysicist please reach out to us we'll bring you on the podcast just to explain this
1: but no, I think I'm also in the latter group where it's it's not an ability that was already part of the Attack Titan's special powers. Because I think in this episode, when we see the flashback to um, Grisha encountering the Rice family inside the chapel, uh, Grisha mentions this power, this ability to see, or like not seen to the future, but no, no, the future. The future. Um, she, he mentions that to F- Frida, who is the founding, t- the wielder of the founding Titan, in that moment, and she says something along the lines of, "I've never heard of that power before," which is strange because with her wielding the founding Titan's power, she has full knowledge of the world, and I assume the knowledge of what each of the nine uh, warrior Titans or Titan, what do you call it? Titan wielders mm-hmm. what their abilities are. and I don't think she would have questioned it when uh, Grisha mentions this ability to know the future. So, yeah because she's
0: got royal blood so she can activate the founding Titan power at any time.
1: right. So I think that ability is something that Aaron was able to manipulate again because he had the combined ability of the attack Titan and the founding Titan which was created in that same moment where they're in the underground chapel.
0: Yeah. So essentially what's happening in the specific, like the latter half of the specific episode is all of the circumstances are lining up perfectly to allow Aaron to achieve his goal. Um, The only reason he is able to, um, the only reason the attack Titans are able to see or, or know in the future, you know, what, what's going to happen with the future inheritors is because Aaron is allowing it. And the only mm. reason Aaron's able to allow that and able to, to accomplish that is because he's using the Founding Titan powers, which have memory manipulation. And the only reason he can use the Founding Titan powers is because Zeke touched him, who has royal blood. And the only reason <laughs> <laughs> the only reason um That they were able to, you know, touch and activate the power is because this was Zeke's plan to touch each other, which sounds I hate saying that (laughs) to to touch each other because like
1: incest (laughs) to to
0: activate the founding Titan power through royal blood so that Zeke in part could help um, Aaron see what the fuck is going on through paths meaning he wants to unbrainwash him by taking him through Grisha's memories. So because Zeke decided to do that, he gave Aaron the opportunity to influence what happened in, what were we calling it, the underground chapel scene? Yeah, it's,
1: it's the Rice Chapel.
0: Yeah, so in that, that moment where Grisha's confronting the, the, the Rice family, um, Aaron's only able to get there in these memories because Zeke wanted to do X, Y, and Z, all these things that we had mentioned um, to, to play into his overall plan. Um and so yeah, like it's just the cards lined up perfectly. It's like that that the thought of fate again that it just happened to be the exact people needed, in the exact time it needed to happen, in the exact order of events that it needed to happen to trigger literally the entire lore of Attack on Titan. Like that yeah. t- like, let's just recap it one more time. I feel like <laughs> I'm I'm doing a bad job of explaining it because I'm trying to think at the yeah, same time.
1: Again, I think we just have to clarify that whoever's listening to this, you cannot view time as linear. You have to view this whole sequence of events. I want to say, not lead, no, I I was going to say leading up to the chapel moment, but it's really all the way through where we currently are in season four with Aaron and Zeke. You have to view everything up until this point in the series as a loop.
0: Yeah, so the key factors that all lead up to this moment, again, Aaron has the attack titan. Using the Founding Titan abilities, which were activated by touching Zeke with royal blood, he is able to manipulate, quote-unquote, memories. So what he's doing is influencing the past by sending specific memories and his will down the line of Attack Titan wielders um, so that they can move in exactly the right ways and do the exact right things in the past to then lead to Eren being able to achieve what he needs to in the future. Because obviously, like if one of the Attack Titans loses the the, uh, the the Titan power, that fucks up the plan in the future. So it, it allows the Attack Titans to see what's happening in the future through the Founding Titan powers because Eren is sending memories back to them um, so that they can move in the exact right ways to help Eren in the future achieve what he needs to achieve. And again, this all happened because Zeke wanted to touch his brother, <laughs> <laughs> activate the Founding Titan power for his own uses, but also try to save his brother... By taking him through Grisha's memories to unbrainwash him, but by taking him through those memories, he gave Aaron the opportunity to talk to Grisha, influence that moment, and send memories back through activating the founding Titan power. I'm. I hope I'm doing <laughs> a le- at least somewhat decent job of explaining this. Um, Carl and I talked about this before recording, and I feel like every time I try to re-explain it, I, I explain it differently. But I hope I'm getting the message across.
1: Yeah, I think. We just need to chart out a diagram on a cork board <laughs> while cosplaying as Charlie from Always Sunny and explaining this.
0: And as we go through, when we get into the, the, the latter half of this discussion where we're going to talk about the actual events of episode 79, we'll continue to reiterate these points using those as, as examples so that, you know, we're hopefully we'll all kind of come together. Um, it's also important to note that Aaron can choose what to show, show Grisha. Um, since I think Grisha asks Aaron, like, why won't you show me everything? What's going on with Carla? Um, so again, this is Aaron's will. Like, this is all happening because Aaron wants it to, with just the right memories, to trigger the right events. And what everyone is seeing in the future, including uh, Grisha, when they view these future memories, is through Aaron's eyes. Like, if you imagine playing a video game and you're playing in first-person view, that's literally what they're seeing through Aaron's eyes. Um, So that's also important to know as we go through this discussion.
1: And with you bringing up Aaron's will, this actually brings into full circle something that we've brought up many times uh, in previous episodes. The scene with Kruger and Grisha back in season three when Aaron's viewing those memories why he mentions mikasa and armin by name
0: there you go we finally have that answer to that long standing (laughs) question so i think we mentioned this in the previous podcast episode i think our our three burning questions of attack on titan at this point are um what the fuck is aaron's plan what the fuck is going on with annie and what the fuck did kruger mean by by mentioning mikasa and armin by name before they were Mm -hmm. born so one question down two to go (laughs) and it's
1: all because of aaron's will Yes. Hi, thy, thy will be done. <laughs> and it's. We, I think Grisha explains this too in the chapel scene with Frida, is that he says something, another trait of the Attack Titan is that it continues to move forward um, and acts as a sort of a, a challenge to the king's self-righteousness. And, Which is
0: literally Aaron's will. That's right. Literally what he wants.
1: And so yeah, that's why Kruger says something along, or that's why, hold on, I'm, I'm getting all tongue twisted here. <laughs> but that's why Kruger says that he Grisha needs to execute this plan if he wants to save Mikasa and Armin. And the only reason he mentions Mikasa and Armin by name is because Aaron is imposing his will at that very moment, even though he doesn't exist at that time. That's Aaron implanting his own memories onto the situation.
0: Yeah, so let's I have it written down here the um the actual scene from season 3. I don't have the specific episode title, but it's essentially the one where Kruger and Grisha are up on the wall and they're chatting. They're chit-chatting and shit. Um so Kruger tells Grisha to start a family, which He doesn't say explicitly, but we know is Aaron basically needing to be born. He's Mm -hmm. like, please birth me. Um, And then Grisha says, you know, but I have Dinah um, and I'll forget what happens here when I become a Titan. And Kruger responds saying someone down the line might be watching this, which, again, he doesn't explicitly say, but we know is Aaron. Aaron's Mm -hmm. watching these things um, because he's fucking going through his dad's memories with Zeke. And then um, again, this is possible through the founding Titan powers that, you know, that were activated. They were able to go to the paths. They're able to travel and not travel, but like view these memories. And Eren's able to influence things. So then Kruger says, if you can't do that, history will only repeat itself. If you want to save Mikasa and Armin and everyone else, you must complete your mission. He's not talking to Grisha in this moment. He's talking to Eren through what he understands, you know, viewing Eren's memories in the future. Um, and this is huge because again we're talking about aaron imposing his will on all of the other attack titans this is part of his will wanting to save everybody um that's why kruger mentions it so then grisha asks who are you talking about because he's like i don't know who these two people are and kruger kind of looks spaced out for a second and he's like i'm not sure and he kind of pauses and he's like maybe it's someone's memories or says like you know someone's memories perhaps and I feel like because he kind of stopped and like almost had a switch flipped in his head this makes me think that we may not see it but Aaron could technically be standing there through viewing memories not through time travel but through viewing memories and like telling Grisha or telling Kruger these things who then Mm -hmm. realize it to Grisha because it's kind of weird that like his brain like That's a switch. And he's kind of like, uh, I don't know, actually. Like, he was so confident in what he was saying. And then it just, like, something switched really quick. You think, like,
1: Aaron was whispering. Yeah, I literally think
0: that that's what my theory is. Like, Aaron was probably theoretically right there whispering these things to Kruger so that he could relay them to Grisha. Um, Because in that moment, Grisha did not have the attack Titan power. Grisha could not see... Or, or relay anything or sorry receive anything from aaron in that moment because he had not inherited the attack titan so the only one who can relay these things to grisha is kruger in this moment via aaron man so, <laughs> that blew my fucking mind when i rewatched this before we started recording and
1: you mentioned this episode. Like, the way that the dialogue is written it still fits in perfectly with what is revealed in this current episode, episode 79.
0: 100%. And I love that episode 79 does not revisit this moment with Kruger and Grisha. And a lot of the times, Attack on Titan does not revisit old moments. And that's, I think, intentional because Isayama... Like, that's why the rewatchability of Attack on Titan is so incredibly high compared to other shows. Because Isayama's is not going to just say, oh, by the way, I mentioned this thing back in season two. You should take note of it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in case you forgot, let me re-show it to you. Like, once in a while, they'll do that. Like, we got that in uh, Two Brothers, the previous episode. But for the most part, he doesn't do that because the intent is like you need to be paying close attention even if you don't know what the fuck is going on. Because again, no bit of dialogue, no bit of writing is ever wasted in this show. So I, we've said it a million times. I'm still super excited to rewatch Attack on Titan when the show finishes because just rewatching this scene from season three between Kruger and Grisha, I was freaking out. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're sitting across from me at this table. You're just like watching me freak out. I'm like, holy shit. He told us this like a whole season ago. <laughs> we already knew this stuff, but we didn't realize it.
1: And I'm kind of glad that Isayama has this sort of respect for the manga readers or the anime watches that he's not spoon feeding us every single detail of of the the lore of the world. It's like we're getting these gratifying moments because we realize how many are callbacks to certain things. And again, it just brings everything full circle and just makes for a really satisfying experience that you don't really get in not just anime, but just other forms of media in general.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like it, just, it absolutely blows my mind. Um, I, I am kind of sad that we didn't see the clip from season one. Um, so in the previous episode when we talked about two brothers, episode seventy eight. Um, we had mentioned that there was a a tweet going around um, a while back where someone was rewatching season one and in the background, you know, kind of behind Mikasa Armin and Aaron as kids, you can see someone that basically looks like older Aaron, moody Aaron. Um, It's not super clear, but I mean, the outfit looks pretty fucking close. Um, So there was that theory going around at the time, like can Aaron time travel? Um, So I was hoping we get that here um, in this episode, but hopefully by the end of the the entire show we'll have some sort of callback where like we see from Aaron's perspective him watching the three of them as kids um, from that same scene. And it, for anyone who's in the Discord, we did drop the link to that tweet um, or at least a screenshot from that tweet so that way you can see the specific scene that we're talking about from season one.
1: I think it's a similar situation with us not seeing the Kruger scene one more time. Um, we don't have to see that exact scene from season one where it looks like Aaron in the background, I think, again, with the revelations that we get in this episode, this only informs that moment. So it kind of, like, confirms that it could have been Aaron just going through his memories and and at that moment he could have been going through his memories with Zeke. I don't know if Zeke shows up in that same screenshot, but, again, I think it's... We don't need confirmation that that's actually what's happening I think we can kind of rest assured that it is
0: true very true yeah I I wouldn't be to your point I wouldn't be surprised if they don't revisit it and they just kind of leave that in there for us to interpret like is that actually Aaron or is it not although I think the only weird situation there potential plot hole is that like if what we're saying is true about the Kruger and Grisha scene from season three where perhaps Aaron was influencing Kruger's mind in that conversation but we can't see him um, why would we be able to see Aaron just standing there? Because he's technically not time traveling; mm. he is just viewing memories like a movie. Um, but who knows? Like, either way, I think it's fucking cool if that is Aaron. <laughs> yeah. So let's go into the actual play-by-play of what's happening in this episode again, revisiting these themes that we've brought up multiple times. Um, and what's important to note here, once again, is that the 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 ability to view things that have happened in the future or will happen in the future is not a power of the attack titan it's a power of the founding titan that happens to sit alongside the attack titan in one user so let me pose this if say the cart titan inherited the founding titan then it would be the cart titans that would all be able to view future events because the founding titan has allowed you know that future person to send memories back down the line so it just so happens that Aaron holds the the Attack Titan and the Founding Titan, therefore this is something that's happening to all the Attack Titans. But like, if Zeke had it, then all the Beast Titans would be able to view the future events because the Founding Titan allows that person to send memories backwards.
1: But also, it's because of Aaron's will. Like he has the (laughs) the strongest will of the show, and with that, he is pretty much unstoppable. Uh, And that kind of makes me think, like he. With his will, he's able to sort of manipulate, I'll say that, manipulate the Attack Titan's powers, right? Would you agree? Uh, With being able to influence stuff from the past?
0: Not the Attack Titan's powers, but the actions that the Attack Titan wielders take. Because like okay. he's, he's basically influencing Kruger to tell Grisha, you need to start a family so that I can be born, and you need to do whatever is possible so that all of my friends and loved ones can be saved he's influencing their will.
1: Okay, then never mind. I think my point is The way I was looking at it was, like with Eren having such a strong will, he, he, as with how he manipulates the Attack Titan's abilities, he would be able to manipulate the DNA of the Eldians in a way where they don't have to do the whole euthanization plan. But I forgot that Zeke already mentioned in part two, or part one, that the founding titan can already manipulate dna and this the tag titan like you said isn't manipulating his powers it's just aaron's will causing everything to fall into place
0: yeah yeah and and going back to and we'll mention this as we go into this breakdown of the, the actual episode um going back to like this idea of influencing aaron only realizes that he can even influence the past in this fucking episode we'll bring that up in a little bit but like all of this is fresh. Like Aaron, Aaron hasn't been concocting like, he, to a certain degree. I'm sure he's been concocting this, but like, what's happening in this episode is very fresh. I think. Um, so we'll. I think this is a good point for us to go into the actual episode. Let's go into our our normal normal kind of chronological breakdown of what's happening here. Um, and again, we'll continue to reiterate these points as we bring up each moment of episode 79, so that we can you know, really emphasize and use these examples to to help hone in on like what it is we're trying to explain the way we interpret theoretically what's happening in Attack on Titan. So starting us off, we get a shitload of flashbacks. Um, They're kind of rapid fire. Uh, My first note here is why the flashback with Kenny? Do we know why they showed Kenny? Like, I know Kenny's important, but like, why in a Grisha memory was Kenny there?
1: Wasn't Kenny part of the military police like as part of the military police, he was in the innermost wall, and that's where Grisha worked as a doctor, right, on his patients.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's just like why? Why even bring? Is it like, just a callback to Kenny?
1: Yeah, maybe a cameo. I can't remember. I don't think Kenny was in cahoots at all with Grisha. That's yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think
0: so either. Which is why I'm like, what is the importance here of us seeing Kenny? I think it. It just seems like a cameo, like a reminder that Kenny was there. Um, So then, like, as we go through these scenes of them viewing different memories, I just think this whole memories thing is really more informative for Zeke than for Aaron. I mean, obviously, Aaron lived almost all or a lot of this, so it's not going to be as big of a surprise to him. But, um, you know, I just I I find it interesting that um, we talked about... In one of the episodes, I think it was like the Zeke backstory episode of part one of the final season that like a lot of this started because of bad parenting
1: Mm -hmm. or that
0: Zeke was just salty about his dad leaving and like how he treated him growing up and all that stuff. So it's like it's really eye opening for Zeke more so than Aaron because Zeke realizes, oh, shit, like he did have the potential to be a good father. He just chose not to parent me that way. Um, But really, Zeke's plan backfired in this moment. Like he wanted to show aaron grisha's memories to prove that aaron was being brainwashed by their dad and then not only did he make aaron's plan possible inadvertently or indirectly or sorry unintentionally rather um he also found out it was actually aaron that brainwashed grisha at the end of all of this which is kind of crazy to think like and again we'll get into a little more detail when we get to that part but like talk about like mad backfire going on here
1: yeah, it's so weird how brainwashing is now a recurring theme throughout this show, whether it be the Marlians brainwashing the sequestered Eldians, the the government of parodies brainwashing the people into not knowing their true past, and, and now it's this three way brainwashing, I guess, <laughs> between Grisha, Aaron, and Zeke. Um but yeah, I it, think it becomes apparent to Zeke that Grisha was organically trying to lead Eren to the same goal of Eldin freedom uh, that he was intending for Zeke to pursue, but just in a way that wasn't intrusive or subjugating because I I think we see in this episode that Grisha really feels remorseful at the way that he treated Zeke and he constantly dreams about apologizing to Zeke um, for the way that he was treated.
0: Yeah, I want to talk more about Grisha and how tragic his character is. Um, Kind of probably after we get to, uh, after we talk about the the rice scene um, later on in this episode. Um, But I just, I found it so funny that Zeke's like, all right, bro, I'm going to show you that our dad brainwashed you. And then he realizes, actually, you're the one that brainwashed our dad. (laughs) I was totally wrong the whole time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of ironic because in Grisha's last words to Zeke in this episode, um, he's pleading for Zeke to stop Aaron from whatever Aaron's trying to achieve, even though he was constantly telling Aaron that he was the key.
0: Which is then showing us, or at least showing Zeke, that Grisha may have been aligned to Zeke this whole time when Zeke thought that they were on completely different ends of like the spectrum of what's right for for the world and for humanity. Um, this might be a good opportunity to bring up something that was shared with us about like Historia and what she said to Aaron back in season three.
1: Yeah, so I think this was a point brought up by our friend Rob. Um, it's episode, season three, episode 43, Sin, and then episode 44, Wish, and probably the one after that too. Um, it's when Aaron is chained in the rice underground, rice chapel, and it's Rod Rice um, forcing Historia to consume Aaron so that he she can get the founding Titan power back for the royal family. Um, I don't think I saw it in these two episodes, forty three or forty four, but I think at some point Historia tells like Aaron feels guilty because he he relives these memories of Grisha stealing the founding Titan power. And he feels guilty for it, but I think Historia reassures him that it it's not his fault when in the bigger scheme of things it really is Aaron's fault.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think he sent us a meme, didn't he, about it? I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that in the Discord server as well under our tech on Titan chat because it's just like it's just the perfect meme for like what's actually happening versus what Historia think happened.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting that, you know, uh, rewatching this episode, it's Aaron being chained in the underground chapel. And I feel like this episode in the final scene, when we are sent back to the realm of paths, we see Aaron chained as well. So I think seeing Aaron chained in the realm of paths is kind of like a callback to this imagery from season three, where Aaron is shackled within the underground rice chapel.
0: So then, moving forward in the episode, Aaron tries to poorly bluff um, with with Zeke when he's like, All right, Zeke, you did it. I'm not brainwashed anymore. Let's go home now. (laughs) I just love that part because it's like, it's clearly Aaron's not convinced. And he's just like, I don't have time for this shit. I have things to do. Okay, I've got the world to save. Can we wrap this up?
1: that's yeah, like your sarcastic little sibling. Yeah. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just a kind of like slightly out of character for Aaron. like a like a a not super obvious comedic moment for him. Um so I, I really appreciated that because he's lately been feeling just straight up emo, like just real emo. So at least he's got a little sense of humor left in him. Um, But through these uh, these memory, um, you know, walks that they're on, Aaron notices Zeke's look of disdain when they're looking at particular memories of um, Grisha treating Aaron, you know, in a very loving way. Um, And I think seeing Zeke sad that he didn't get to experience Grisha's love in the same way that Aaron did may have been what what influenced um, Aaron to allow Grisha to see Zeke at the end of this episode. Because, I mean, it's very distinct. Like, you get, like, an up-close shot of Zeke looking pretty, like, distraught and, like, kind of disappointed. And then it pans to Aaron looking directly at Zeke in that moment. Like, Aaron's like, okay, my brother's pretty upset about this.
1: So you think he wanted them to see each other at the end for a moment of closure?
0: I do. Yeah, I do. Before he went
1: batshit crazy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I think that, because we had talked about, like, Zeke in two brothers the previous episode we talked about the the brotherly love that is there is, is obvious between Falco and Colt um and between Porco and Marcel um but that the love seems to maybe only go one way with Zeke to Aaron saying that you know I'm gonna save you even though you betrayed me and all this stuff but I I still feel like there's a little part of Aaron that's like you're my brother and I'll throw you a bone. Like, I'll I'll help you get some closure Mm. in this moment. And I think that's also to his larger plan. If he can get Zeke to side with him, then that could change everything. Um, So maybe by showing, because obviously Zeke is realizing Grisha's not the person he thought he was and allowing him to have that that final bit of closure could change the way Zeke approaches everything. I don't know. We'll have to see in the next couple episodes.
1: Yeah. It kind of lines up with, I don't know, like I kind of connect this with how kruger mentioned uh going back to kruger saving mikasa and armin like i feel like there's still an ounce of compassion left in aaron and this is probably an example of that for his brother
0: yeah yeah um and we'll we'll dive into that more because i I, like i said i do want to revisit that thought of like is aaron good or bad because i am feeling conflicted but then we see these little moments where like he gives the closure um and grisha closure i mean that's also giving grisha closure to a certain degree um, I don't know, it Just there's something more complex at play in Aaron's brain, obviously. Obviously, Aaron has, like, not big brain, but, like, god brain going on mm. right now.
1: Speaking of closure, one thing that I caught um, as they're revisiting Aaron's childhood memories is there a, sh- a shot of the toddler Aaron chasing a butterfly. Uh, and I mentioned in a previous episode seeing this motif of the butterfly popping up every now and then in Attack on Titan. I think we mentioned it was in the OVA for Mikasa, and it's at at the end of the OP for this part two. Um, And I think I, I I finally see now that it's an example of, or it's symbolism of the butterfly effect, which I think is in full effect, no pun intended, in this episode with Eren's choice to kind of force Grisha to attack Frida in the underground chapel because it sets in motion this entire chain of events or basically the entire series of Attack on Titan um, to lead Eren to the very moment where he turns the tables on Zeke at the end of this episode and kind of out schemes him.
0: Interesting. So I, I I wrapped my head around the bird motif, you know, freedom and all that stuff, wings of freedom um, that we had talked about in like the last episode or two. But yeah, I was curious about the butterflies. Like I, I didn't understand why the butterflies continued to pop up. Um, but that that's interesting, the butterfly effect, and that makes me think to the op of this uh, this season where. The last shot is like the colossal's nasty ass, like big ass, thick foot is coming down on us.
1: Is it the colossal or is it just a shoe print?
0: Well, hang on, I'm getting there. <laughs> so it's the colossal coming down on us. Then it switches to the like a, a top down view of the ground, and it's a footprint, a regular human sized mm-hmm. footprint, has smashed a butterfly. So is that like signaling, like as part of Aaron's plan to break this cycle, whatever that is, that like is part of like the butterfly effect through whatever the fuck he's scheming
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not sure um but yeah it's nice to kind of get some closure on why this butterfly symbolism has been popping up
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i did not like i just was wondering why we keep seeing butterflies but i could not think of like why that was but that that makes perfect sense the butterfly effect, and I think back to that movie with, uh, what's-his-face?
1: Ashton Kutcher. Yeah,
0: I don't remember anything about that movie. I just remember watching it, and it was really weird.
1: And maybe I should have prefaced this kind of with an explanation of what the butterfly effect is. It's part of what is called chaos theory.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, chaos theory. Um,
1: (laughs) I guess the easiest way to explain it is if a butterfly were to just randomly flap its wings, in the right place at the right time or maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time it could have enough of an effect to turn basically into a tornado i think that's the easiest way to explain yeah the the theory of the butterfly effect and within the context of this episode what i see as sort of the the butterfly is when aaron forces his dad or like i said the synopsis bullies his dad into stealing the founding titan power right because that's the key moment that pretty much sets up everything to follow in the show
0: a hundred percent which goes back to our earlier discussion on like the theory of everything here that this is all fate it's the exact right pieces in the exact right spots to set off all of the stuff in motion to to trigger the butterfly effect Um, to start this giant-ass loop that happens in Attack on Titan. (laughs) Um, So in the next memory scene, we see Grisha sleeping on the desk. um, And then, like, after he wakes up, he sees Zeke for a moment. Um, And the importance here is that he can see Zeke for a brief moment because Aaron is standing behind the two of them. So Grisha's at the desk. Zeke's in front of him looking back at Grisha, but kind of in the, the corner of the shot, is Aaron, like behind the desk, looking at the two of them. So again, what's important to note is that the Attack Titans are able to see Aaron's memories, but in first person view, like a video game. So literally whatever Aaron is viewing is exactly what Grisha is able to see as well. Also important to note here is that when Grisha reacts to Zeke, Aaron is surprised. And it's the first and only time he's surprised in um, all of these, you know, memory strolls that they're, they're doing. Aaron then interrupts Zeke, um, kind of like cutting him off and saying that they need to move on to the next memory. This is important because Aaron realizes that he can transfer his memories to Grisha through his eyes, like through his per- first person view. Um, but he doesn't want Zeke to figure that out. And so, so he's like, let's go yeah, to the he's next like, one. All right, don't worry about it. Let's go. <laughs> like, let's move forward. But again, like this is that butterfly effect. This is fate unfolding because Aaron didn't know up until this exact moment that he could even influence Grisha <laughs> through mm-hmm. the ability to send memories back via the attack. Uh, sorry, via the the founding Titan. So again, the right people in the right place at the right time, the right exact moment for Aaron to be able to realize you know, come to this realization like, oh shit, I can do this. (laughs) I can send shit back to Grisha through my eyeballs and I can influence what happens in the past. Like, holy shit, it's crazy. Because you think Aaron's got it all figured out, but there are plenty of things even he doesn't know this far into the story.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like Joseph Joestar in the climax of part two, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say like, this is a Literal visual example of the theme of perspective that runs rampant throughout this final season.
0: Yeah. Oh, deep breaths. We can do this. This is like every scene is just very telling. Um, you know, throughout this entire episode, and in the next scene, um, Zeke is shocked at the memory of Aaron and Mikasa having killed those bandits. Um, and I think it's in their discussion afterward um where they're on the deck of mikasa's house aaron says to to zeke rather than letting someone steal my freedom i'll steal theirs first i've been this way since birth um again playing into fate like this is how i've always been and he keeps telling zeke like i am not the person you thought i was i'm the same person i've always been which again leads me to think that like his goal hasn't really changed which is to protect the people he cares about so I know we'll get into that towards the end of the episode, but it's just like he's mm-hmm. he's strongly hinting like I haven't changed, bro. Like maybe on the outside I'm fucking moody and my hair is long and like I've grown a little taller. You know, my balls have dropped. I've got <laughs> hair in places I didn't think I'd have, but I'm still the same Aaron Jaeger. But Zeke didn't know that Aaron Yeager back in the day. He only met Aaron like in season two for a hot second. And then like
1: Season three. What wasn't it? Uh
0: I thought that like I thought he met Zeke for like a second in season two, and then like Zeke bounced, and then he showed up again in season three. Ta- I could be wrong. I could are you be talking
1: wrong. about like at the end of the fight where he goes away in the cart titan's mouth? No, before that. Oh. Zeke
0: shows up before that. I th- I'm pretty sure he mentions, like, I'm gonna save you, brother, or something like that, and then he leaves.
1: Yeah, I thought that was that same scene.
0: Mm, are you talking about after he gets blown up by Levi? Yeah. No, because that's I, where he says,
1: I'm gonna save you. Aaron
0: not directly to Aaron
1: yes it was directly to Aaron. hold up
0: okay hang on hang on everybody <laughs> okay we took a quick pause we looked up some some clips on YouTube I was incorrect I think what I was thinking about was that scene I believe it's in episode 47 um, where we as the audience first view Zeke in human form where he steps out of the Beast Titan to talk to Reiner and Bertolt um, so you're correct the first time he meets Aaron is in season three after he gets ripped up by Levi
1: um i wanted to highlight your point about what aaron's goal is which was like protecting the people that he cares about uh because there was something i rewatched another scene from the season a season one finale and i kind of want to interpret what aaron says in that moment as what his end goal is but i'll save that for when you want to bring up that discussion
0: okay that sounds good yeah i'm Hot takes here. Hot takes about Aaron Yeager all up in here. Um, But Aaron is completely emotionless when seeing um, most of these memories, whereas Zeke is experiencing these things for the first time. So, like, we get a lot of shocked Zeke faces. He's got, like, you know, surprise Pikachu, like, throughout this entire episode. Hmm. But again, like, this goes to the place into the fact that, like, yes, these are moments in Aaron's life as well. Like, he's not going to be surprised by something that he already lived through. Um, but it's just very telling to Zeke, like this is more, this whole exercise is actually more informative for Zeke than it is for Aaron, despite, um, you know, Aaron finding out that he can manipulate the past. (laughs) I think that's the biggest tell for, for Aaron. Um, I think in that same scene, um, when they're witnessing like the aftermath from like the bandit incident, um, Zeke says that he wants to save Aaron even after Aaron betrayed him. Uh, he says he wants to save Aaron before he saves the world. And that that kind of brings us back to something we talked a bit about in the Zeke backstory episode of uh, the final season, part one, that like Zeke genuinely believes his plan is the best thing for humanity. And that's something we really have to remember throughout all of these Zeke interactions. And it's what makes this whole thing so strange because he has such good intent, but a very controversial way of doing things. Um, So like with like Reiner... You know, you want to hate on the guy, but, like, I actually root for Reiner because I remember, like, what he's been through um, and what he thinks about this whole situation. I kind of do the same thing here. Like, I really want to hate on Zeke, but it's like he just wants to help everybody. And he's just really convinced that his way of doing it is the only way and the right way. But mm-hmm. he doesn't mean any real ill will. He just wants to save the world. <laughs> it's, it's such a, a complex thing to wrap your head around.
1: I want to bring up something else that Zeke says in this scene that just sounded very biblical and I feel <laughs> kind of ties into this whole theme of fate and, and will. Uh, I think it's after Aaron mentions to Zeke that Grisha was never really a, a shitty father to him, uh, but that Zeke is still grateful for Grisha giving him an opportunity to save the world kind of like what you said but the quote is for the father's actions opened his son's eyes so he may save the world from the threat of Eldia." and the little catholic boy in me (laughs) (laughs) wants to connect that to the gospel of john chapter 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life damn (laughs) the quotes have the, the same energy but I feel like, you know, Zeke thinks that this quote applies to himself, but again, looking at it from another perspective, this could also be a quote directly for Aaron, like Aaron's opening his own eyes because of his father's actions so that he may save the world from the threat of Eldia. It's like this show is biblical, fantastical, and scientifical, all rolled into one.
0: And magical. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, so, the next
1: scene. Sorry, oh. there's one more thing I want to This is kind of just a piece of trivia. This entire memory with Aaron, Mikasa, and Grisha is actually from season one, episode six. The world the girl saw, or the struggle for trust part two. The scene and dialogue, because you can hear Grisha talking to Aaron in the background, right? It plays out the exact same way, like line for line.
0: Yeah, and there's um there's like comparisons out on Twitter of these like the the exact same scenes from like the Wit Studio days in season 1 to this uh MAPPA interpretation in season 4.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I think that's in the next scene which I think you were about to bring up. Oh, um, oops, yeah, yeah. The one where they're at the Jaeger household? Yeah. Yeah. This one um where Grisha's talking to Aaron and Mikasa after the incident. Oh, by, like, Um, the fire that's starting? Yeah, that's... None of the... Like, the the shots from Witch Studios episode, those aren't incorporated in this scene. Um,
0: Oh, you're talking about the dialogue is...
1: Yeah, the dialogue is incorporated. But, like, I guess Aaron, Grisha, and Mikasa are standing in the exact same spots where they were in the Witch Studio episode, but it's not a shot-for-shot remake because it's different camera angles.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. So, um... What happens before that? So in between the scenes that we're talking about, um, I guess like the next memory is Grisha writing in the journal. Um, And in this scene, Zeke is standing directly behind Grisha, looking over his uh, shoulder, reading what he's writing. What's important to note here is that Aaron's gaze is toward the floor or away from them. And this is intentional so that Grisha won't see Zeke. So if he, like, inadvertently sends memories back to Grisha, Grisha won't be like, holy shit, Zeke's standing right behind me. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that, you know, Mappa took a moment to show us Aaron, like, where he's at in the room because he doesn't want, and where he's looking because he doesn't want to make Grisha aware that Zeke is behind him because then Zeke may put two and two together that something Aaron's doing is causing Grisha to see Zeke.
1: Didn't you want to bring, uh, uh, just going back to the the scene prior, Didn't you want to bring up something with um, Aaron looking at the younger Mikasa?
0: Oh, I just think that that's like him being reminded of like what he's fighting for.
1: Uh, Like he doesn't show
0: any emotion. But I mean, like in in the earlier scene where Armin and Aaron are chatting, like that's important, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. seeing Aaron at nine years old hanging out with his best friend. And he's watching that. And then here, like Aaron takes a moment to actually walk up to him and Mika saw after this traumatic experience um, and I think that's like him remembering what you know what kind of set him into motion like he he's got this desire to protect and I don't know I just think it's like him reflecting on on what happened that day
1: like what he's fighting for yeah
0: essentially um so then back to the scene where Grisha's writing the journal he then locks the drawer with the key you know the key that we had wondered about for like a million years. And he then looks shocked um, after he like is holding the key up. And this is because Aaron is looking directly at him. So if you think about the whole concept of seeing Aaron's memories through a first-person view of Aaron – that means Grisha is literally staring right back at himself. Grisha can see himself through Aaron's first-person view. So he looks up and he's just seeing himself. He's seeing his own fucking face through Aaron's eyes. Like, that's so fucking trippy. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. got to be so fucking trippy.
1: I'm surprised that Grisha hasn't lost his mind throughout all of this.
0: I mean, uh, later on in the episode, he kind of does. I mean, yeah, I think right
1: before he has Aaron consume him. Yeah. Right, that I mean, was probably like the... The point of no return.
0: Yeah, it's Aaron's will keeping him going, despite Aaron also bombarding him with these really trippy moments where he's seeing himself, <laughs> like Grisha's looking at himself, because <laughs> um, otherwise, like it doesn't really make sense as to why Grisha would lock the the cabin or the drawer with the journal in it, and then like just stop and look absolutely horrified. Mm-hmm. There's no other explanation for it, and he's looking dead at like Aaron's eyes, like they're making eye contact, but yeah. He's just staring right at himself. That's that is weird. Um, so then, what's next? What's next? Uh, Zeke and Aaron then get to the scene that I jumped ahead to, where um, Mikasa and Aaron come home, and they're having lunch. I assume with um, with Aaron's parents, and Zeke again is shocked during that scene where Mikasa reveals that Aaron wants to join the Survey Corps. Because I think again, like this is all very telling of Aaron's personality even from a young age, and Zeke didn't know these things because he didn't know his brother back then.
1: And I think this is just reaffirming that Aaron was able to do exactly what his father wanted out of both him and Zeke. It's just that Aaron was raised organically rather than kind of subjugated to the propaganda directly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Grisha. Grisha's a tough guy. So of course his son is also going to be a tough guy. I mean, both of his sons are, are tough people. Um, think about everything Grisha is going through and how he's still holding it together for his family. So in this scene, Grisha tells Aaron, when I get back, I'll show you the basement I've kept secret. And again, we get an important moment where he's looking directly at Aaron, looking back at him. So if you can picture the scene... Um, The camera pans out a little bit and you see Grisha in the doorway looking at Aaron and Aaron on the other side of the doorway looking back at Grisha. So similar to the previous memory, Grisha is saying these things. He's saying, when I get back, I'll show you the basement I've kept secret while looking at Aaron. But what Grisha is seeing is his own face. But I think that's Grisha realizing, shit, Aaron is standing right in front of me. He's standing right in front of me watching me. And so he's not, I don't think he's telling he is to a certain degree. But I don't think he's necessarily telling uh, young Aaron, I'll show you the basement I've kept secret. I think he's actually telling older Aaron through kind of like the the founding Titan powers, like, all right, I'm hearing what you're trying to tell me. I'm going to show you the younger you, the basement I've kept secret. I'm going to follow this path
1: that oh. you've set for me.
0: Because otherwise, like, why would he make eye, like indirectly make eye contact with Aaron in this moment?
1: And that kind of ties into something I want to bring up with this scene is that this is actually taken from the first episode, the very first episode of Ta- Attack on Titan. It's the exact same scene where Aaron, or Mikasa uh, snitches on Aaron and says that he wants to join the Survey Corps. And then that's when Grisha leaves to go fuck all or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I
0: jumped ahead. The Twitter post that I was talking about where it's like a shot for shot comparison, that, that's the
1: scene. Yes. So Mappa redrew the characters in this scene um, in I think it's almost shot the same way as it was in the first episode. Although you can see the stark contrast when we put the comparison photos up, um, we'll probably put it on discord. Uh, whereas again, I think there's a lighter glow to uh, the characters in the scene from which studios, uh, adaptation, whereas in Mappa's adaptation, they seem a little bit more quote-unquote realistic and have that sort of darker tone to them. Um, So that was very interesting that they did that, but I I think they seem to be reusing the backgrounds um, from that first episode, so it's nice that they're kind of still paying homage to what Wit Studio established in the first episode. Um, And again, the dialogue is the exact same, but (laughs) this time around you just see older aaron and zeke uh, in the background watching this
0: which is so weird because when you're <laughs> watching the scene for the first time in season one you don't think there's two dudes standing right there <laughs> yeah. but yeah i think you mentioned too the actual the the actual scene of like grisha showing the key it's just mm-hmm. his hand holding the key yeah um that's repurposed not repurposed but um that's Wit studio animation
1: yeah i think you can kind of tell by the the darker lines that accentuate the outline of the hand because i think that's what i remember from Witch studios days is that they would always have this bold outline of each character and yeah. that's kind of toned down with uh, mappa's adaptation but we were watching the original scene from the first episode and it's interesting because as grisha is telling aaron i will sh- i will show you what's in my ba- what's, what's in, the- in my basement <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll show you what was what's in my like, van I- kid <laughs> <laughs> like I- I'll-, I'll show you the secrets of the basement or whatever what was the line uh, when
0: i get back i'll show you the basement i've kept secret
1: yes he says that but he says that over the shot of the key itself we never it's interesting that we don't see a shot of where grisha was looking at that moment back in season one yeah back in season one
0: yeah like again writing as fuck <laughs> even with the anime adaptation like yeah we i think if we had seen that moment in season one grisha would just be staring to the side in the open doorway
1: and be like what the hell and is it would look unnatural yeah. like yeah, it
0: would look very unnatural but in grisha's viewpoint he's seeing himself because again aaron is theoretically standing in front of him which is why there's um that up close shot of grisha's eyes looking fucking intense in season four in season four's recreation Mm -hmm. of that because you're like again it's a mind fuck for him he's talking to both versions of his son while literally seeing himself (laughs) like he's just looking dead ass at his face (laughs) because aaron is standing there looking right back at him um that's got to be so wild that's gotta be so wild to talk looking directly at yourself while technically talking to an empty space
1: and this kind of reminds me of the baseball scene with zeke and aaron yeah that we saw in the earlier half of part one of the final season, but then we get more context. Um, I think that was last episode, right? Yes. Two brothers. And it's the same thing here. We're we're getting additional context, but this is of a scene like you're talking about way back in the beginning of the series. And it's just, that's just crazy. And again, just great writing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was kind of, it was kind of amazing to revisit the scene that um, you know, have the clip that you showed me from season one because um, it's like damn they intentionally didn't show where Grisha was looking when he said that to, to Aaron because there's something larger at play here and then as Grisha leaves the home uh, leaves the home leave his leaves his home <laughs> um, we get uh, a shot of him looking super distraught like the, the look on his face as he walks away from his family knowing what's about to happen and why it needs to happen I'm like this poor man yeah, I, like I, so I feel put
1: through the ringer. I
0: feel for Reiner, but Reiner has no idea how good he's got it compared to Grisha. <laughs> I mean, holy shit! Yeah,
1: Grisha is basically being haunted by a ghost
0: of like, his son, of who's his not son. even dead. Like his son is very much alive, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking wild. So then we get to the eye catch, um, or like the commercial break of the episode, and now we're gonna talk about everything that happens after the eye catch, which is essentially the Rice family scene of this episode 79 Mm -hmm. this is going to be a lot so this is going to be where we really break down everything around the theory of what's happening in in attack on titan what's happening in this episode so bear with us we're going to get really fucking granular but we're doing so in order to um, help as many people listening as possible understand what the fuck is happening here based on our interpretation of these events so first off Zeke is proven wrong here um, as Grisha begs the Rice family to protect the people against the Titans and to save his wife and child. He's proven wrong that Grisha, you know, was was trying to manipulate and was a bad father and an absent father and all this stuff. Like he's he really wants to save Carla and Aaron um, and hopefully by extension Mikasa as well. <laughs> <'Cause he> always, <laughs> I think he mentions my child. I'm like, okay, well, also Mikasa there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You're save her too. adopted child. <laughs> um but yeah there's like that's got to be a mind fuck for zeke everyone's getting mind fucked in this episode um frida says some things about um you know needing to be punished for our sins by just accepting what's coming and then and zeke's like i like this chick she she understands me <laughs> well
1: that's because you can tell i think frida you can see the sympathy on her face um as grisha is imploring the family to um protect the walls right and then she she closes her eyes, and that that's where I said like the the, the anti-war vow programming um, kicks in. Kicks in, and her eyes turn that purplish, and so I don't think it's her speaking directly. It's it's the founding titan
0: forcing her. Yeah,
1: the will. Another example of will of the founding titan forcing her to comply with King Fritz's vow renouncing war.
0: Yeah, um, I know. I, I've like always wondered why the eyes of these certain characters look so intense at certain moments, but I think this was the moment where I, I kind of put two and two together that when we get brighter looking eyes, it's because there's some sort of Titan power at play. I don't know why I didn't think of that before mm-hmm. the scene, but that made it very obvious. Um, but as uh, Grisha is trying to you know beg and convince the Rice family to take action and protect people, this is when Aaron's eyes went all fucking intense while watching Grisha, and I was like, oh shit, Old Aaron is resurfacing. <laughs> this is seasons one through it's the three. Same Aaron. Aaron, it's yeah, always been exactly. <laughs> he was he was serious. He's like I'm the same Aaron I've always been. Like this little bitch is coming back. The little shit that we we knew and loved from the first three seasons is suddenly like making a, a reappearance here because he's like, this is not what I want. This is not right. <laughs> and I gotta say. Grisha's voice actor doing fucking work, begging the Rice family, and freaking out when he has a mental breakdown later in this scene. Like, props to his voice actor. We talked a little bit about this in our, um, I think our one of our part one final season review episodes where we got more context around Grisha, Um, like just how he like would freak out in scenes about Zeke um, Mm -hmm. and him not being a good enough candidate for the Beast Titan, all this stuff. Like, Grisha was panicking, and the voice actor. Um, that he has, who is,
1: it's Hiroshi Suchida.
0: Thank you. Want to make sure we give him uh, proper credit. Um, yeah, he he's just like doing mad work in in those scenes, doing mad work here throughout this entire episode. I mean, the, the perfect cast for for Grisha, the intensity he's able to evoke through his voice acting. You feel what Grisha is trying to like wrap his head around throughout all of these scenes.
1: Yeah, whereas before... I think I, I what's what's nice about this episode is that I was always conflicted on whether or not Grisha... Like, we should be sympathetic to Grisha, especially after what he puts Zeke through. But this episode, I think, is really great at clarifying, like, Grisha as this tragic character who he wanted a second chance with uh, his second son, um, but he's ultimately doomed to the, the same fate uh that he wanted to like he's doomed to follow the same path that he needs he wanted to follow with Zeke but now it's with Aaron and it's been twisted and turned into this whole thing um but yeah credit again to this voice actor Hiroshi Tsuchida for capturing like an erratic sort of Grisha and then here a tragic kind of Grisha
0: yeah absolutely like I just I'm blown away every time you know he he delivers a performance like this as Grisha and you know, to, to your point, it goes back to you know, thing about Zeke and his ultimate plan. All he wants to do is save the world with good intent. Grisha's the same way here. He just wants to save the world with good intent. Um, yet these characters are getting fucked left and right <laughs> when they're all just trying to help everybody you know, through different means.
1: This is a really quick aside. Um, I'm looking at the um, list of uh, Hiroshi Tsuchida's works. He was in Gintama as Marinosuke.
0: Marinosuke.
1: I don't know if he, if you know that. He might be a uh, minor character. I'm looking at the male page for this character. It kind of looks like uh, Jin from Ghost of Tsushima.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I'm reading this on mail. Uh, oh, this is like a really minor character. Like a very <laughs> okay. minor. This is from the bear episode um, of Gintama with I the have mushroom. No, I have no yeah, clue this is what you're this about. is like a this is like like in Gintama, even the minor characters play a big part, but we're talking like deep minor character mm. from what I can remember. Um but hey, that's cool.
1: He was also in Bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. bo bo let us go. Was he really? Hang on, I'm scrolling now. <laughs> as Pana, which that's another show that I want to add to my watch list. So
0: Yeah, you should. That that show's wild. Do you think Attack on Titan's wild? Just go watch bo 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 I think in a, in a different
1: kind of wild, right?
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But all right, so back to the Rice family scene. Um, as this exchange is going on between Grisha and, and Frida, we suddenly see... You know, as Aaron's looking super intense, we get kind of flashbacks to uh, old Aaron. Um, We suddenly see Grisha look over his right shoulder. And I think that's the moment in this particular memory that Aaron starts to send his future memories back to Grisha. Grisha's probably like, holy shit, why am I suddenly seeing things from over my right shoulder? It must be Aaron. Mm -hmm. Aaron's fucking standing right next to me, even though I can't see him. But I'm looking at the back of my head talking to Frida because I'm like, why else would he suddenly look over his right shoulder? And why else would Aaron look super fucking intense? He's like, he's probably like, this is not what I want to happen. So here I go. I'm like, starting no to send wonder, some memories back.
1: No wonder Grisha wears his glasses because his eyesight's probably all fucked up right yeah. now.
0: <laughs> so like this is not what I'm supposed to be seeing. What the fuck? So then we get into like the meat of Grisha's exchange with with Frida and some like reveals here. Um, I'm gonna break it down even further. Like I said, we're getting real granular here. So Grisha says the attack titan special power um, or whatever, is not falling victim to the vow-renouncing war, which, again, is basically Aaron's will. He wants freedom. And says, We were led by our memories all for this moment, meaning Aaron set this into motion and willed it of all of the previous Attack Titans by using the Founding Titan powers, sending memories back down the chain to the previous Attack Titan wielders, along with his will, so that they would act in the exact right ways through their time Oh, you know, wielding that that attack titan power to down the line help Aaron get to this particular moment. The
1: butterfly
0: effect. Exactly. <laughs> and through all of these um these lines that I bring up um from this episode, the wording is incredibly important. Like probably more so than some of the other incredible lines that we've gotten throughout the show. So again, Grisha says, We were led by our memories. All for this moment. It is Aaron's will. It sounds very biblical. <laughs> it is Aaron's right, that's will. <laughs> a, that's what I was
1: saying earlier. <laughs> Thy will be done.
0: Um, and being led by those memories, again, it's Aaron sending those memories back so that these, these people, Kruger, Grisha, etc., know exactly what they need to do to get Aaron to this point. Grisha then says the attack titan can glimpse into the memories of its future inheritors. Again, because Aaron made that possible through the founding titan power thanks to Zeke, who activated that power because mm-hmm. he's got royal blood. Um, so again, Founding Titan can manipulate memories, and so Aaron is manipulating memories by sending these memories back down the chain so everyone knows, okay, we all got to do what we got to do so that Aaron can get to this moment so that he can bully his dad.
1: <laughs> Poor Grisha.
0: <laughs> he then goes on to say, he being Grisha, then goes on to say it's um, the, the the special trait of the Attack Titan It's able to know the future. And this, to me, is brilliant translating, at least for the English-speaking viewers. He didn't say see the future. He didn't say it's able to see the future, which I think implies that one can control the, the ability to look into the future and do it at will. That's usually how we would express that in the English language. Um, these attack Titan wielders are privy to future events because again, Aaron has allowed them to see these future events using the founding Titan powers. So they're not seeing of their own will of their own volition, these, um, future events. They're able to know what happens in the future because Aaron is allowing them to know it through opening up some of these memories or sending these memories down the chain through the founding Titan power. I'm sorry if I'm beating a dead horse. I'm sorry if, you know, it's very repetitive, but it, not only does it hopefully help everyone listening, it also helps me to process <laughs> what the fuck is yeah. happening by like talking out loud, you know, being a bit repetitive, you know, tying all of these moments into what we've been saying throughout this episode. Um, so yeah, we, we appreciate everyone's patience as you kind of go through this. I hope that this is, you know, as helpful for you all, as it is for us, to kind of talk through it. So then, Frida has that like that surprise moment that you know you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, where she questions like special trait of the Attack Titan. And notice in this moment, she says special trait and not special power. Maybe I'm reading too much into the translation here, but I don't think, again, seeing future events is an innate power, an inherent power of the Attack Titan. It is a trait that was granted to all the attack titan wielders because of what Eren did. So I think right. it's interesting that she says special trait here versus special power. But when Grisha said special power earlier, he wasn't referring to the viewing future thing. He was referring to the the special power quote unquote of defying the vow of renouncing war. Like the writing is so specific here. Like it's so incredibly um intentional that like I just want to show it all the love and appreciation cuz Isayama Man, he is doing a phenomenal job. (laughs) So as you mentioned earlier, like Frida, as the Founding Titan holder with royal blood, should know all the aspects of the Attack Titan and the other Titans, but she's surprised. And even Grisha says to her, I'm not surprised that you're surprised. Like, you really would have never known because you don't know what Eren's doing in the background.
1: Yeah, I think this is just, again, reinforcing the point that it's Eren who's controlling these, who's technically controlling these events. If the founding titan power isn't, if the founding titan isn't aware of this power or trait that you were saying, yeah.
0: Um, and then I think this is the moment where Grisha like starts to pull out his knife, um, and then he says like I have to kill them all." Um, but I, you know, afterwards, which we'll get to in just a bit, he does clarify to Aaron that he left Rod Rice alive. Um, so maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but this is probably like for Grisha to go from I my intent is to kill all of them to Aaron. I left Rod Rice alive. This is probably because Aaron wants to protect all of his friends and loved ones. Um, and killing Rod means that Historia will never be born. Plus he needs Historia to open up some of Grisha's memories to him from that flashback that we get in this episode where Aaron kisses, uh, Historia's hand.
1: Yeah, that was the season finale for season three, um, episode 22, uh, Season 3, episode 22, the other side of the wall. um, I think when Aaron kisses Historia's hand, it just takes him back to the memory of Grisha stealing the Founding Titan power. So uh, that quick shot here in this episode is just a callback to that moment.
0: Which is fucking crazy. (laughs) Just crazy. So
1: you're saying that Aaron only willed rod rice to live because of the connection with historia and in order for that whole sequence of events to unfold
0: yes because if the royal bloodline was gone and he needed to touch someone with royal blood to open up those grisha memories to him so he kind of would know like what what happened and put his plan together um he wouldn't have anybody and Historia, I mean, it's easy for Historia because they're, they're comrades to the Survey Corps. Like, mm-hmm. That's an easy one, like an easy win there versus having to hunt down a royal family member and then touch them. Yeah. <laughs> well, they that, don't even know who you are.
1: No, yeah, I, I was just wondering that because Greece was like, I have to kill the entire, or I'm going to kill the entire bloodline, but then you leave Rod Rice open. But yeah. again, it's for that, to leave that door open for future events.
0: Yeah, the exact right things have to happen with the exact right people at the exact right time um so then going back into the sexual scene um aaron gets all up in his dad's face <laughs> and going back to the thought of like eyes lighting up when a, a titan powers at play um the first shot of aaron getting close to grisha we actually see like a thin light like turquoise ring um around aaron's eyes like his what is it the iris or whatever mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's, you know, kind of saying like he's using the fi- founding Titan powers in this moment. That's why his eyes are glowing because it's very it's very different from what we've seen. It's like an actual thin ring that's around his eyes. And I don't think we've really gotten that before. Um, maybe it's like a ca- his eyes are like the camera lens and he's sending footage back oh, to his Oh, there you dad. go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Aaron is looking right at the side of grisha's face um and we also see as he's kind of like saying these creepy things to his dad um we see flashes of like dinah kruger and like the other people that grisha cared for as Aaron's saying you know this is your your story aren't these the people that you wanted to protect this is why you're doing all of this you got to complete your part of of the mission and Brad, so
1: this is yours this is the story that you started yeah, right? yeah that's yeah, what yeah. he says
0: yeah Um, And so my question here is um, these flashes that we get again of Dinah and Kruger and and whatnot. Was this Aaron sending Grisha memories to kind of like really like pound in the message of do it, dad. Do it. Wow. Is that (laughs) your (laughs) That's my Star Wars (laughs) reference.
1: (laughs) Well, I think we have to note that right before Aaron intervenes, Grisha like stops what he's doing because he realizes the severity of the moment in that he has to kill these, like I think it's more specifically killing the innocent children of the royal family. Um And that's where his like sort of conscience comes into play. And I think it's because of the way that he's been kind of raising Aaron in contrast to how he raised Zeke back in Marley. Like I think that's the, the father in him is finally coming out, right? Yeah, and So
0: he's very conflicted, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I think by Aaron kind of feeding him these memories of the loved ones that Grisha has lost along the way he's he's like slowly pushing out Grisha's conscience to remind him that like this is this is the real evil of the world and you can't let the royal family just sit on this power like you have to do something about it
0: so it's okay so my cuz I was kind of wondering was that actually Um, Aaron sending those memories of Dinah and Kruger into Grisha's brain or was it just Grisha remembering those things as Aaron was reminding him in his ear like was Aaron intentionally sending him additional images
1: or Mm. was Grisha
0: like hearing Dinah and hearing Kruger and then he he on his own was like oh yeah I forgot about these people for a hot second.
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure, but I mean, it, it comes up to the same result that Grisha just lost his mind.
0: Yeah, and if it is Aaron sending, the, like, intentionally sending those images to uh, Grisha as he's whispering in his dad's ear, that's kind of like pouring gas in the fire to really set his dad off. Like, just you know, that extra oomph that he needed to to push his dad over the line. Because um, Grisha can actually hear Aaron speaking in his ear because it is Aaron's memories. Like, like how I can hear myself speaking right now. If he's viewing things through Aaron's eyes, seeing his memories, he can hear what he's saying.
1: I'm curious to know, like, what do you, why do you think Grisha hesitated at that moment before Aaron had to intervene?
0: Because he's a good person, I think, deep down inside. Despite everything Zeke, you know, misunderstood about his dad, I think that's why he's a tragic character. Because he actually is a good person. Um, he actually does feel regret about how he raised Zeke, and he actually does care about Aaron. Because I think just everything in this episode is very telling of Grisha's true nature. And I think that's why he hesitated. Because he's like, there's got to be some other way. But Aaron's like, I don't have time for this shit, people. (laughs) Like, earlier in the episode when he's like, Zeke, yeah, I'm I'm not brainwashed anymore. Let's go. Like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, this is also Aaron just being like, Grisha, I don't have time for this shit. You need to do this because I need to get my plan in place.
1: So do you think Grisha would have abandoned the cause at that point? If If Aaron
0: didn't influence him? I think so. Yeah, or he would have tried to find an alternative,
1: and so they would just be stuck in the same cycle. Yep. Okay.
0: That I, that's my theory, anyway. I mean, is that what you think?
1: Yeah, although it, it it's it's so hard to <laughs> it's so hard to like <laughs> put into words like what is going on in in Grisha's mind. Like, I, I think he he feels obligated to do or to help the Eldians for the better good. But it comes at this very personal, murderous cost.
0: Yeah, or like maybe he would have just taken the founding titan and left the rest of the Rice family. Because I think it was the kid. The part of it was like smushing the kids with his hands. Mm-hmm. That's I think what really set him off. But you know, knowing how how strong willed he uh, Grisha is, which is I'm sure part of what Aaron inherited from him. Um, I still I still feel like. At minimum, he probably would have taken the founding titan from Frida, but he probably would have left the rest of the family untouched. Because I don't think Mm -hmm. it it tore him up to take a titan power, because he took it from Kruger. But, like, Kruger, of course, willingly gave it to him. I think here it's just killing people who maybe aren't totally innocent, but, like, their children and their family members who are just trying to follow the direction of others. Mm Mm-hmm. But in this moment, as Grisha is freaking out because he doesn't want to do this to the Rice family, again, he's got Aaron up in his face pressuring him. Um, And again, if you think about what's actually showing up in Grisha's view, he goes from seeing Frida in front of him to literally seeing the side of his own face because Aaron is all up in his grill whispering things to him. And when Aaron got close to Grisha, I was like, bro, that's a JoJo reference. Yeah. <laughs> From part five and part six. Like, for, both parts now have this reference.
1: What's part six?
0: When Weather Report gets all up in Jolene's oh, face and just right, right, to her. right, right. I'm, So it's yeah, like, it's I remembered
1: like, the Giorno and Yeah, like.
0: and then you've got, yeah, Weather Report and, and Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And a a, I guess there's a
1: Code Geass reference, too, with uh, Grisha's, like, when he snaps. It reminds me of when Nina's face snaps. Oh.
0: <laughs> Although Nina's face is more horrific, I'd say than Grisha's in this moment. <laughs> yeah,
1: or even though there's those cameras now that you put on your head and then it captures like a your, your like what your face looks like, but it's all distorted.
0: It's that anime trope of like a character having a mental freak out and like it's it's like a fisheye lens yeah. where it's like up in their forehead, but then like their eyes are like off to the side and like rounded. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you've watched enough anime, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So yes, we get that anime trope here in Attack on Titan.
1: But no, I mean that that's like a real life thing that you see it in. There's like a TikToker who runs does...
0: around with it on his face. I've yeah, seen that or one.
1: like there's like he 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 does train spotting and he has a I don't know maybe a GoPro of him watching the train. Uh, or one camera looks is looking at the train, and there's one just capturing his face as he's in awe. But yeah, it's a fisheye lens, so it, it, it looks fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's what. Uh, grisha's face um when he snaps that's literally what he's seeing
0: he's seeing the view of the train but it's his own side of his face and then we're seeing him in in real time with his panic attacks going on (laughs) so yes grisha has a mental breakdown um after all this transpires because why wouldn't you when aaron is fucking with your brain this much over and over again over a period of years (laughs) um so yes again grisha's voice actor is doing fucking work here absolutely incredible performance um and I'm talking specifically about when he steps outside after he's killed the the Rice family. Even the animation shows him just acting super erratic, stumbling back and forth, looking Mm -hmm. up at the sky, and then back down at the ground. Um, Then he collapses and says, why won't you show me everything, Aaron? Why won't you show me if Carla's safe? He's asking all these questions because he knows Aaron is there. He's there watching him. He can see it all. And he asks, was this really the only way? And this is interesting because... The Aaron we're seeing in this moment, I don't think, can answer that yet, because the Aaron in this moment does not know what's going to happen in the future. But maybe Grisha is able to see that far because, like the the Aaron beyond this point in time, is still sending memories back to him.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. Like we don't, I we don't know anything about the future. I want to say up until this point, because. And we're we're kind of seeing things through the current, not the current Aaron's eyes, but we've only seen memories of the future up until this point. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So that, I mean, I think in this moment, um, and I could be wrong when we think about this, talking out loud here. In this moment, does Grisha technically know more than this moment in time Aaron Yeager? Because Aaron hasn't performed those actions, whatever is part of his plan. But Grisha at least knows because... That that indicates that even further beyond the future, Aaron is still sending memories back. Uh,
1: Oh, okay. Because yeah, that's what he warns Zeke about.
0: Yeah, that it's that Aaron is going to get his way. That you need to stop him and ask Aaron: Was this really the only way? So theoretically, in this, if we're talking in this exact moment, Grisha actually knows more than this exact moment's Aaron does.
1: Except she doesn't know what happened to Carla. <laughs> yeah,
0: because Aaron won't let him see that.
1: Which, how did Grisha end up finding Aaron in order to give Aaron the attack Titan? Do you remember?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> oh boy, someone's. I mean, gonna I know he drags to... his ass into the yeah. forest and lets him eat his his own dad and all that. But... So
1: someone's gonna have to. Oh wait, I'm I'm reading the uh, Grisha's bio on the anime wiki. Um. Grisha enlists, I think, uh, was this one of the, uh, a scout to help him find his family and he finds Aaron. Oh, he learns that Carla's devoured. Um, and so after he finds Aaron Grisha takes him into the woods and that's where that takes place.
0: Yeah. I think like Grisha's resolve at that point is like, I've just got to see this through because now my wife is dead and mm-hmm. this could have all been avoided, you know, through whatever means, um, poor fucking guy. Just poor fucking guy, dude. Like, I, I feel for Grisha. I feel for Reiner, but I really feel for Grisha.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because he has this mental breakdown, and then he has to go back into his father-slash-doctor mode.
0: But I don't think he's all there when he finds Aaron. Because I think in, like, some of the memories, like, Grisha's acting kind of off his rocker mm. when he takes Aaron to the forest. Because yeah. we don't see everything that happens. Because Aaron, I think it becomes fuzzy for Aaron because the things that happen right around the time you become a Titan, you start to lose some of those memories. Kind of like how, again, when we talked about earlier in this episode, the scene between Kruger and Grisha from season three, Grisha actually asks, but I won't, or uh, he he says to Kruger, but I won't remember these immediate events leading up to me becoming a Titan. So how am I supposed to remember what you're telling me right now? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's why it's very fuzzy for Aaron. But I, I do recall Grisha, like moments of Grisha acting maybe a little erratic. Yeah. When he's dragging Aaron along. I mean, God, why why wouldn't he act erratic? Like the guys held it together up until this point. Let his him go crazy. Fucking son's
1: fault too. Yeah. <laughs> you got to drag this little shit.
0: Yeah, he's like, you little shit. I'm gonna turn you into a titan <laughs> so you can kill me, and I'm gonna be done with this shit.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Grisha makes up with Zeke, right?
0: Yes. So um in the final moments of this episode, um, again, if if Grisha is seeing the future from Aaron's point of view. Um, we see Aaron step behind Grisha and Zeke, allowing Grisha to see future Zeke. And that's when he reacts to him and says, oh my god, you're fucking old now and your hair is long <laughs> and you've got a beard. Um, but yeah, Grisha mentions you know how much Zeke has grown um, and gives him a hug and tells him all these nice things, allowing Zeke to have some level of closure. But there's like a possible plot hole in the anime that I was reading about. Because um, I guess someone on Twitter posted um, a, a scene comparison here where in the, the manga, sorry, it's not here. It's it's if we take like a quick step back to when Aaron is up in Grisha's face telling him what to do, um, Aaron touches Grisha in the anime on the shoulder and actually kind of like mm-hmm. moves Grisha's body. Like Grisha's body has like a reaction to being touched by Aaron. And in the manga, I believe Aaron does not touch Grisha Grisha in this moment. This, I think people are saying, is a possible plot hole in the anime because, again, if he's not physically time traveling, how the fuck is he able to touch Grisha in that moment? If he's just viewing a movie, like you can't touch a movie, right? Mm -hmm. If he's just viewing memories, how is he able to touch Grisha, let alone Grisha's body react to the force of Aaron touching him?
1: Because errands will be done. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's like, i got to touch my dad yeah, in this maybe, moment.
1: Maybe Mapo is just trying to play up the dramaticism of the moment.
0: Well, but... we'll see, yeah, I, I'm curious to know like if that actually is a plot hole. Isayama, I'm sure we'll shut that down real quick. Um, but that then ties into this moment where Grisha is hugging Zeke. People are like, well, theoretically that could happen if Grisha is just hugging a hologram of Zeke. So if you think about it again, like if Zeke is not physically in front of Grisha, but he's seeing like a hologram of Zeke, he can like position his arms to be around Zeke's body, Mm -hmm. kind of like hugging him. And then technically Grisha wouldn't feel anything and Zeke wouldn't feel anything um however the way it's animated it looks see, like he's like totally the, like on top of zeke yeah and
1: the jacket ruffles as yeah. they're embracing so
0: it. now it's kind of like is this a plot hole like how is this possible if it's not technically time travel where they're physically moving through time and space um so i don't know i'm yep. gonna leave it at that i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> the
1: important thing is that grisha redeemed his relationship with zeke not with the power of the titans or with the power of friendship but the power of love
0: and the power of Aaron allowing it to happen. <laughs> yeah, <and> the,
1: <laughs> crazy Aaron's will.
0: So, like, how this will affect Zeke and you know his ultimate plan? We'll see. Will this be enough to change Zeke's um, thoughts on everything? Plus, all the other stuff that he's witnessed through this memory walk, or will Zeke stand firm with uh with his ultimate plan?
1: I feel like this is just going to encourage Zeke to follow through with his own plan because. He thinks that whatever Grisha is implying about Aaron's plan is is a lot worse, um, so I think it's just going to entrench him in the idea of of the euthanization plan.
0: Yeah, I could see it happening that way. Um, I don't know I'm I'm curious to see what's what's next for Zeke because what
1: the fuck is Aaron planning
0: yeah we'll we'll <laughs> never know at this point I, maybe Isayama will never even tell us what the plan is
1: well there's an end <laughs> to this we already know that
0: um, one more thing about the Zeke hugging scene um, again Grisha sees Zeke and, and mentions like oh how how he's grown and all that stuff yeah um, and and he's talking to Aaron throughout these moments where he's having this like freak out, saying, you know, why aren't you showing me Carla and all this stuff? But we have to remember, Grisha has never seen Zeke through Aaron's eyes. The only way he would have done it is if Aaron looked into a mirror. Because I figured like, oh, he comments on Zeke's appearance. Why won't he comment on Aaron's appearance? And I'm like, oh wait, because he hasn't actually seen future Aaron, mm-hmm. unless Aaron looks into a mirror or some sort of reflection. Zeke, or sorry, Grisha doesn't know what his son looks like in the future. So speaking of the future, before we get to the the hot, burning question of whether Aaron is good or bad, um, if the Attack Titan, through the abilities of the Founding Titan, is able to see memories of future Inheritors, then in theory, Aaron can either see the, the next Attack Titan's memories, or he's not seeing any memories because there won't be another Attack Titan, depending on how his plan unfolds. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to think about. I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, and we won't know until Aaron opens his mouth and tells us. But I almost feel like maybe there isn't one. And this is just me theorizing. Maybe there isn't one because, like, wouldn't Grisha have said something or Kruger would have said something about, like, something even further, further beyond plus Ultra, um, beyond what Aaron's, you know, part of the Attack Titan timeline is doing?
1: Yeah, because Grisha only mentions Aaron's or indirectly mentions Aaron's heinous plan in the future. He doesn't say, like, the Attack Titan inheritor's plan for the future.
0: Yeah, or, like, mentions, like, you know, anything about, like, another person getting involved. Like, he just talks Mm -hmm. about Aaron, saying Aaron's going to get his way and that, you know, he needs to be stopped. And so, like, again, it could go one of two ways. I don't know with Isayama. I I never know what to think. But theoretically there either is another attack Titan inheritor and Aaron can see those um, those future memories, or if he's not seeing anything, that indicates Aaron could potentially be the last attack Titan.
1: Yeah, at this point, we are in the same boat as now Zeke and Grisha, where like none of us knows what the future holds. Like, it's all in Aaron's hands now.
0: Yep. And speaking of Aaron, let's open it up is Aaron good or bad? Did this episode change your theory about Aaron, which we've we've mentioned several times in this review series, you know, as different things come up with Aaron's actions like do we feel differently about him? Do we feel like he's still on the same path that we've always known him to be on? Like what 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 are our thoughts? Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? <sighs> <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I still want to hold out hope that there is some good left in Aaron as much as like Armin still holds out hope that there's, there's an ounce of, that there's an ounce of good in Aaron. And like, I don't want what happened in the previous episode where we were, we were finally relieved that Aaron was not on board with Zeke's euthanization plan. I thought that was, that was a a telltale sign that the Aaron, who still cares about people is still there. But like this this episode kind of flips the script on that and we're back in that gray area of whether or not Aaron is the protagonist or the antagonist of this story. So I think the positive person in me wants to say Aaron is still good, but the the cautious optimist optimist in me doesn't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What about you though?
0: I, okay, so bear with me. I'm going to explain this and it's probably going to be a little bit long winded, but I still feel in my gut that Aaron is not the antagonist of the story. Fuck you, Crunchyroll. I know you put him up for both antagonist of the year and protagonist of the year, but I truly feel he's not the antagonist of the story. Um, because again, going back to that scene with Kruger and Grisha, Kruger tells Grisha that thing about protecting Mikasa and Armin that desire can only stem from Eren so that tells me that Eren and Mikasa are so incredibly important to Eren that the other attack titans know it and that they are being led to move in a way that will save Mikasa and Armin and the other people that Eren loves Um, plus I, I think I mentioned in like our part one review series um, but remember all the times that Mikasa and Armin were in harm's way throughout the Attack on Titan story and how Aaron behaved
1: mm-hmm. like when Mikasa
0: and Aaron thought that they were going to die because uh, Dina's Titan was approaching them and Aaron said, you know, he'll, he'll say that thing about like, I'll keep wrapping that scarf around you that really cute line or whatever. He literally tried to punch a Titan just to do something to keep her safe. Like, he does, like, anything to, to keep her safe in that moment. And then when Armin got roasted by the Colossal Titan and then Levi was planning to save Erwin, they physically had to drag Eren back because he was freaking out so bad about Armin potentially dying. You cannot tell me that he doesn't care about Mikasa and Armin and the people, you know, around him that are, that, that means something to him, um, that he's going to throw all of that away just for some fucked up plan that he's got. I think that is embedded in his plan. I think his ultimate plan is to do whatever is going to save these people.
1: Now I'm kind of thinking this, like I'm theorizing an end goal similar to Metal Gear Solid 3, the video game Snake Eater. And I don't want to, this will probably kind of spoil the ending of that game, but I feel like it'll be a point where Aaron kind of bears the brunt of like the evil that, has been associated with the Eldian race and he will make it so he becomes like the scapegoat but by him becoming the scapegoat it opens up a path for everyone else like the the rest of the Eldian race to live in peace.
0: Yeah. I could see that. Like just to me like
1: the unsung hero basically.
0: Yeah. Like, to me, if we're talking about Eren's will being imposed on all the attack titans, we have the, the will of, you know, continuing to move forward despite the vow-renouncing war imposed on these attack titans. Eren can choose what memories to send back to these attack titans. And the memory, or at least the will, of protecting Mikasa and Armin by name, as well as his other loved ones... Like that is that that just shows how incredibly important that is to his overall goal, right? He doesn't have to do that. He could just say protect the you know humanity or protect my family. Like he he specifically allows the attack titans to know about Mikasa and Armin because that is how incredibly important they are to him.
1: Well, this is where I want to bring up uh, the scene that I rewatched, and it's the Annie versus Aaron fight in the season one finale when they are they are in their female titan and attack titan forms it's season one episode 25 war or assault on Stohas, part three and if you remember like aaron had an intense bloodlust in the scene as he goes off to like let the rage of the attack titan kind of take hold of his mental state in defeating annie you remember that yeah and there are certain things that he says in this moment that I think are almost indicative of the direction that he's going in this final season. The first of which is when he says, kill the Titans every last one of them. And I think this has always been Aaron's prime directive. Not oh so my God, much, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Right, Not so much. I mean, he, I'm sure he still cares cares a lot about Mikasa and Armin to save them, but I feel like this has always been Aaron's objective throughout Attack on Titan is just to get rid of all the titans right so i feel like there's there's some way we can interpret this line and what aaron's future plans are for the Eldian race
0: especially when as you mentioned earlier aaron tells zeke i'm still the same person i always was you just Mm -hmm. didn't know me back then so he's basically saying i have not changed so if that was his goal at the beginning of his story and he is unchanged then yeah like that's that's what he's gonna do and if yeah. if the parallels between gabby and aaron have any legitimacy around the story gabby kept her word about killing aaron jaeger she fucking did it technically so you know aaron i'm sure will keep his goals
1: right but the scary part is that this aaron of uh, the the aaron that's that has this bloodlust also says, I'll destroy the entire world. <laughs> so who knows what that means? But then he also says, I am free. And that's Aaron's, Aaron always yearning for a true sense of freedom. So I feel like these are key lines in kind of understanding where Aaron's psyche is at, at this moment in time. Um, another thing that I kind of noted is, guess who stops Aaron before he pushes himself past the edge?
0: Ooh. Uh... Mikasa or Armin? Levi. Whoa! Let's (laughs) go!
1: (laughs) This just makes me think, is my boy going to return to do what he does best and that is put Aaron in his place because we still don't know Levi's status.
0: And he is probably the one and only character that can control Aaron
1: that the one and only like (laughs) Armin fears (laughs) yeah
0: Armin and Mikasa can influence him to a certain degree but let's be honest every time they try to talk to him he like there's so many moments in the show where he flat out ignores them and just goes off and does his own thing Mm. like even in the early seasons he 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 behaves that way and they're like dude just listen to us and he does (laughs) but like Levi is the only one you're absolutely right and that that reminds me of um, the scene from part one uh, of the final season, where Aaron makes it up to the the airship, mm-hmm. and up until that point, he had been showing disrespect to everybody, but he still called Levi H.O. <laughs> he still he didn't call him like he even calls Hanj. I think he calls Hanj Hanj. I don't think yeah. he he calls her by her um her her current name, whatever her rank is um in the in the Survey Corps. Um, but he still calls Levi H.O., He will Mm -hmm. not call him Levi because he still has some level of respect for him and fears him.
1: Right. Because again, Levi is the Batman of this universe. His name (laughs) strikes fear in criminals' hearts and in Aaron Yeager's heart, I'm sure, as well.
0: (laughs) I I really hope, again, like we don't know what the fuck's going on with Levi. I really hope he does play an, an, uh, an integral part in influencing or commanding Aaron because there's a special relationship there for sure. Um, between Aaron and Levi, even mm. if they don't acknowledge it, you know, like all, all the Sundays and their behavior. But there is something to be said about the Levi-Aaron relationship in the show.
1: So, yeah, I have to hold out hope that Levi will pull through, even though his his body has been pretty much blown to bits. <laughs> but we'll see what Hans can do to salvage him. The last thing I want to bring up about this uh, season, uh, season one finale fight is there are flashbacks to Annie's father speaking to her. And the one line that I pulled from it is that he says, even if the whole world hates you, your dad is the one person who is on your side. This reminds me of the lyrics of the ED for this part, um, Akuma no Ko, or Child of Evil. There's a line, I think in the chorus, that says, the world is cruel, but I still love you. The way I interpret this is the world is putting all of its hate down on Aaron but the ones that really know his true nature will know that the things he did were for the good of everybody
0: and wasn't it Carla who first spoke the words you know you were born into this world to Aaron
1: yeah I think there was a flashback of that somewhere.
0: I know we talked about that in our part one review series. Um, I think it was right around the episode where Reiner and Aaron meet up again before he like kills everybody. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that all kind of plays into what you're saying here that like Aaron Aaron knows there are people that still care about him and people that are still relying on him. And again, like I think he's still the same Aaron. I think he's going to surprise us at the end, like pleasantly surprise us at the end. Um, And if he doesn't, then fuck. (laughs) Fuck it all. (laughs) So now let's move on to the preview for the next episode, um, which is episode 80, titled From You, 2,000 Years Ago. Um, It's important to note here that episode one of Attack on Titan, the very first episode, is titled To You, 2,000 Years From Now. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, again, episode one is titled To You, Two thousand years from now. That means to to Aaron. Aaron is the recipient here. Episode eighty is from you two thousand years ago, meaning from Emir. Like Emir the sender. Because if you're talking like the the time span of the Titans has been about two thousand years since the Emir mm-hmm. like created them or whatever. And in the the images we get for the preview, we see Emir. We see like what looks like a female Titan that's like all skeletal and shit. Um, could be annie could be annie but Mm. i i don't think so i think this is going to be an emir focused um episode i think this is going to be the backstory of the titans um in this next episode
1: you get a cameo of vinland saga vikings (laughs) yeah what the (laughs) fuck was that all right i'm sure it's gonna show like the the great titan war at this point where we just go further back into the history of eldia
0: and then we're going to have another one of these review episodes where we have to break it all down <laughs> and explain it to everybody well, in the most yeah. you know coherent way possible. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, hopefully it's not in that metaphysical sense, but, you know, like the like, as we do the play by play. But we'll see. But I'm excited to see if this is really the history of Eldia to see it like in quote unquote person, because we've only seen it through like storybook images or through the ED, uh, like that really creepy ED that we always talk about from season too, I want to say. Yeah,
0: where they straight up told us the entire lore of the Titans and we didn't even realize it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so I think this next episode is going to be really Emir focused Um, And yeah, just telling from the title, it's, it's coming full circle.
0: Yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy that Isayama was like, yeah, we're naming episode one um, to reference something that happens 79 episodes down the line. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like
1: a lot of us were like, what the fuck does this title mean yeah. <laughs> when we first watched Attack on Titan? But... And
0: like, think about that. There were almost 80 episodes into this show. That's a, a pretty meaty show. A lot of anime only have like 12 to 24 episodes to tell their story. And here we're getting 80 plus, and it's such a, again, a tightly written story. I just, I can't gush enough about Isayama's writing. It's absolutely amazing.
1: And with that, I know this has been a pretty lengthy episode, but again, time is not linear. <laughs> time is circular. <laughs> but we have ar- uh, we have arrived at our final thoughts for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 79, Memories of the Future. So how many Titan time paradoxes out of 10 would you give this episode?
0: I would give it a 10 out of 10. This and the previous episode, Two Brothers, are absolute masterpieces for completely different reasons. Like the previous episode was like the immediate storytelling and the animation, the cinematography. It was like very in the moment, um, kind of impressive. This episode, um, Memories of the Future, is impressive for the overall importance to the overall storytelling. Like this episode could single-handedly prove how amazing Isayama's writing is in Attack on Titan. On my first watch through, I thought it was like an eight out of 10 episode, mostly because I was fucking confused. But after doing some reading and, and rewatching the episode, I'm completely in awe now that I fully understand the context and the gravity of what transpires here in episode 79. So although these these last two episodes, 78 and 79, are very different, I think both of them are equal masterpieces um, for, for this part of the season. What about you?
1: Yeah, I have to agree. This was a ten, another ten out of ten episode, and it's a it's a talking episode. It's surprising a that walking and talking a episode walk- like in <laughs> Death Note. <laughs> it's it's surprising that uh, a, what you would consider a slow episode would would just merit such a high score. Um, this episode it was basically like a Christmas Carol, except if Scrooge turned the tables on the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, told them. To fuck off and he'll do what he wants. That's <laughs> basically this episode. And I guess if you think about it, Aaron read spoilers about Attack on Titan before the rest of us. And I think there was someone in our in our Discord who said like Aaron was a is a manga reader, <laughs> <laughs> so I did appreciate that comment. Uh, but yeah, this is an episode that just it focuses on what I call the holy trinity of Attack on Titan. Which would be like the father, Grisha, the son, Zeke, and the holy shit, Aaron, what are you doing? The holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, despite its slower pace in comparison to the previous episode, two brothers, I think it manages to explain so much and add depth and perspective to the backstories of not only these characters, but like the entirety of the show's lore in a way that still makes sense and manages to stay coherent, although you can tell Courtney and I have lost brain cells just trying to put this together. <laughs> uh, but I think in that sense, we just have to, again, just give our heaps of praise to Hajime Isayama, the writer for Attack and Titan, the creator for Attack and Titan, for just crafting this tightly written lore, even as it begins to like transcend the space-time continuum. Um, I also just loved... Return the returns to key scenes from past seasons, and then with Mappa putting a fresh palette on them that still pays homage to what Witch Studio had established in the past. But now I feel like we're back to square one. Where do we really, or can we really trust Aaron? Or is there a future where Zeke's plan is bust and Eldians can truly be free? Or is Aaron about to just doomsday the shit out of the entire world? Because, again, we we, are, we question what is haunting Grisha about what Aaron is about to bring forth and what future, if he can see it, what future does Aaron see or what future is he setting in stone? So
0: Yeah, and you bring up a good point. Um, I want to comment on how you're saying, like, we've now gotten to, like, this metaphysical thing in the lore. Like, that happens sometimes in entertainment, um, shows, movies, whatever, where the, the story... Yeah, the story's going one way, and then suddenly it becomes, like, this time travel shit or whatever. And it just kind of feels off. It doesn't feel like it fits. And if you would have told me back in season one or two that there's fucking, like, metaphysical... I don't want to call it time traveling, but, like... um what the the temporal causality temporal loop?
1: Temporal causality loop. Like
0: if you would have told me that that's an like an important part of the Attack on Titan lore back when I was watching seasons one or two, I would have been like, that's crazy. Kind of like how earlier we said. You know, Season one, Attack on Titan, feels like a totally different show from season four. Here it's like Isayama is infusing some very risky themes here, but in a way that's so incredibly brilliant that it fits. It doesn't mm. feel off or like, I don't have that gut reaction of like, oh, where are we going with this? I'm more like, holy shit, that's incredible. That's genius. It's brilliant. Um,
1: you yeah, hear that, just, Game of Thrones?
0: <laughs> it's just like, it's crazy to me. And usually you associate those types of themes those metaphysical themes with like a science sci-fi type of you know show like mm-hmm. like an actual mecca or something I don't know anything other than something like attack on Titan that has sort of this like middle age feel um, With a lot of mystery around it. I don't know like I'm just so impressed at how you can take attack on Titan and like infuse metaphysical shit as like a core part of the story and only tell us at the end of the story and yet it feels so smooth and clean like it's it's clean as fuck
1: yeah i don't know how isayama does it and i know he's done a couple interviews in the past about his work i don't think anything to the extent of what we're trying to put together um, in this episode but I'm i'm curious to like piece together how exactly he came up with this world and and just did his research, whether fantastical or biblical or scientifical. <laughs> like it's just, this is just. Uh, I I I'm I'm lost. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> it's <That's>, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. the,
0: the man is brilliant. His writing is brilliant. Um, I am just so incredibly excited for these next several episodes. Honestly, let at this point less for like knowing what happens to the characters and more for like the world building. That's really ramping up right now, and I'm like, this is cool shit. I just felt so, like, enlightened, for lack of a better term, when I was when when everything that happened in this episode finally clicked in my head. And who knows? Maybe I could be totally fucking off. Maybe my, maybe my interpretation is completely wrong. And if it is, reach out to us. Let us know if you have a different interpretation about what the fuck is happening here. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to like at least somewhat put something together um, behind Isayama's writing, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm a little big brained in this moment. Like, I feel like. You know, I can be proud that I got the complexities that he's trying to uh, <laughs> trying to tell us here. <laughs>
1: I'm glad that Senpai noticed my brain.
0: <laughs> but yeah, props to everyone who made it this far into this review episode. Yeah, I
1: think this is one of our longest review episodes. <laughs> and with good
0: reason, because this is a lot of shit to talk through. And if the next episode is the same way, then our next review episode will be just as long. But like we said earlier we hope that this has been helpful at the end of the day um for anyone who's maybe a little bit confused still about what transpired in episode 79 um and what's happening in the overall lore around you know fucking aaron and the founding titan and the attack titans and all that fun stuff and if it wasn't helpful um i'm sorry <laughs> i tried my best to put my thoughts together in a coherent way and then relay that out to everybody um but i don't know hopefully we did a good job <laughs>
1: Yeah, thank you for your time or your temporal causality loop.
0: Thank you for coming (laughs) to my TED Talk (laughs) about Attack on Titan and uh, metaphysical shit. But we do appreciate everyone joining us once again for this review episode of Attack on Titan. We hope that you'll be back for the next episode. We hope you'll be back for every single episode. And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when new Attack on Titan episodes are released every Wednesday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo.
1: Shinzo wo